Hey, welcome to the 241th episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is a podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter and be awesome by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. And if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30-ish minutes of more podcast entertainment. I just recently was uh, discussing 1987 Superman uh, series by John Byrne, written drawn by John Byrne. Classic, awesome Superman stuff. And this week, I, I may uh, may dip over to probably the 80s. We'll stay in the 80s and do a, kind of like a silver clad. I don't know if I'd really call them silver, whitish, certain, certain, you'll, you can maybe figure it out. It's time to, to revisit. Anyways, and sometimes I talk about movies. Like I talked about the live action Resident Evil movies. Oh man, that was something. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gman from heck. You can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three. And that is ko-fi.com slash gman from heck. So what is going on this week? I'm not sure about the length because, you know, it, it's so weird where like last week's was a four hour podcast and, you know, that happens on rare occasions. But every once in a while, it just it seems like it just gets out of uh, away from me. And it's like I don't even notice it. You would think I'm, I'm sitting there for four hours recording. You think I would realize that. But I guess time I get getting in the zone. Maybe I don't know. So change of plans with the the movie feature this week. Originally, I thought <laughs> I thought it was going to be Sonic 2. And then there is also Ambulance, but Ambulance has Jake Gyllenhaal, and, and we all know he's he, he steals people's scarves. He doesn't give them back, and maybe he's just not a nice guy. I, I, I don't know. And it's a Michael Bay. I Because it's a Michael Bay movie, I kind of want to see how ridiculous it will get. And I, I tend to like the action movie. I mean, they're, they're all right. So maybe I'll see it someday, but I'm not going to go to theater to see that. But yeah, I, I thought I was going to have to see Sonic 2, and I am curious to see it. I'm not by any means whatsoever dying to see it i mean if i never see it out that that's fine i'll i'll survive but i was like oh man i gotta see this but then thankfully i was like holding off um pre-purchasing my ticket at my theater i was like man because everything everywhere all at once is supposed to open wide it opened up two weeks ago supposed to open up wide this this past weekend and I was like, and my, my theater outside, they, they have posters like on the outside of the building, like in cases, and they had a poster for it. And it's like coming soon. I'm like, what the heck, man? Why? How can a movie like X, which I did enjoy, but it, it seems like everything everywhere all at once would have more of a, a, an appeal would be able to, and there, it has Michelle Yao and the, uh, the Russo's Joe and, and Anthony Russo's were producers. It opened up, thankfully. I, I checked. I was like, oh, thank goodness. I'm going to be able to see this. So that's going to be the movie feature. And then uh, there's going to be The Flash and Star Trek Picard. Uh, season two of Moon Knight. Oh, man, I, I'm I'm loving that, that show. And Severance. Now, here's the thing with Severance. Oh, my dilemma. So I'm going to talk about episode eight this week, even though episode nine just came out. As I record this, I have not seen episode nine. I so so tempted to stop recording now and just watch it, but that would just like throw off everything. Like, uh, it's so much stuff to do over the weekends; it's ridiculous. 
So I I, part, I kind of debate. It's like maybe I should just talk about both episodes and just you know do a big send off since it's a season finale. But I guess that way also gives everyone a chance to watch it. It gives me a chance to watch it, and it gives you know one more week uh, on on a podcast because I, I'm not even sure what what's going to be on next week. Um, whatever. But let's talk about this week instead of me just rambling on. Some news. Um, I'm going to start with Ezra Miller. Not really sure what to say, you know. So Ezra Miller is, seems to be an interesting person. the The latest, supposedly, allegedly, the, the report is that Warner Brothers is kind of they they had a an emergency impromptu meeting to discuss his future with the studio. So apparently, in Hawaii, <laughs> some there are some incidents. I, I think there's something at a karaoke bar where. Some lady was singing, and he like, I don't know. I, someone swore. I don't know if he swore or she swore, or they. I don't know if they swore or she swore. I think he goes by they. And uh, you know, he grabs a mic or something like that. But then there was also an incident that they broke into someone's house, went into bed, like stole or tried stealing her passport and some stuff. And uh, I don't know if he knew. I don't know if Ezra Miller knew who these people were like is this some random people i thought i heard something that he was like staying with them and then they filed a restraining order and so it was just other stuff and then there was also like a, f- a few weeks ago there was a video to some like branch of the klu klux klan where ezra miller's like yeah why don't you go kill yourself because yeah he's like because if you don't and he's basically threatening them which you know klu klux klan it can go away but yeah yeah there's just like all the stuff's it, I don't know know what what's happening here. Now the thing is, they're they're not sure what what they should do. You know, if they should continue to put Ezra Miller in movies, and th- that's a big question. Um, this is where I'm I'm I don't have an answer. I'm not really sure where I stand on, on this position. Apparently, during the Flash, there was frequent meltdowns. Like there are some points where he's like Ezra Miller's like. I don't even know what, what what I'm doing or something like that, but apparently Ezra Miller was not violent. They were pretty. The report was pretty adamant that he was not. They were not violent. Luckily, I guess for Warner Brothers, Ezra Miller wasn't scheduled to promote Fantastic Beasts to go on a this, this promotional tour thing or whatever. But with the Flash, because they they it's not like Warner Brothers can like let's just recast. You know, the, the Flash, they can't do that now because it's, it's so far gone and everything like that. So if they just, when they do the promotional for that, they have to bring Ezra Miller along. You know, they, they, they can't not have Ezra Miller promoting the Flash. And so, so my dilemma is, okay, all this stuff happened on non-studio time. It wasn't during the production of any movies. You know, Ezra Miller was in, in Hawaii on vacation, I guess. I don't know. So the question is, should Ezra Miller be... I mean, I, and I guess Ezra Miller's not really being fired. I mean, I, I guess they're looking at this could include, like, possible Barry Allen future appearances. So if they're going to use Barry Allen again, do they reboot or recast or, you know, whatever? I I always say, you know, recast versus reboot. You know, you, you got comic... Comic book series have, have gone out. You know, you get a new artist. It's not like you're rebooting the series. You know, if the characters, they look essentially the same, but you get what I'm saying. So I don't know what that means. So essentially, it's 
I don't know if, if you would consider them firing Ezra Miller, um, but then the question is like, do they need to? If he if they are having meltdowns on the set and that's getting in a way of production, you know, making production go in overtime or something like that, that's one thing. But they were never violent, so none of this stuff really matters on set when you're looking at is someone hireable. I, I almost feel like within reason, what someone does on their own time shouldn't let's get severance it shouldn't shouldn't affect the if it doesn't affect their work output then why should they be penalized for it you know it's it's one thing like like if you're a killer or like a a child you know pedophile or molester you know then yeah you don't want that person working for you but if if you're violent or maybe unstable but you've never had any problems on a set. I, I, I don't know. But then there's a thing is like, well, it's not like, well, nothing's happened yet. So that's okay. You know, you, you do want to think about the safety of everyone else. And I don't know. I mean, do you, do you just hire a person and just keep a close eye and just get ready to have someone swoop in in case something happens? <sighs> I don't know. And then I, I guess, you know, the other people involved, are, are they being put at risk? Yeah, it's it's just it's just a weird situation. But I I don't know because of what happened, and it, it's the same thing. You know, say with, with Johnny Depp. I know there's a huge he said she said over, over all that. But if Johnny Depp's never done anything on set, then I don't I don't see how. And I, I know you're you're looking at the brand and what this person represents. So it's that that's like the gray area where like if you want Johnny Depp to be you know Jack Sparrow. You know, this Disney supposedly wholesome, you know, franchise or whatever. And then he's allegedly, uh, you know, being violent with his spouse or ex or whatever. There, you know, that that might be a problem for the, the image that they're trying to portray. But I just don't feel one necessarily should, unless someone is violent or doing something on set. I, I don't know. It's just, it's such a, such a gray area, I guess. And then, you know, but the, the other question is, is there, you know, a bigger issue that, you know, because Ezra Miller has been violent with people in the past. You know, there there's a one incident where there was a fan and then some people are like, oh, no, that was staged. I have no idea what's going on. So maybe it's all Zack Snyder's fault <laughs> because they, they unleashed a Snyder cut of Ezra Miller and this is what we get. I don't know. Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness apparently broke Fandango's first day record. Now, I wasn't sure if this was a record for just 2022 or if this is all-time record. Maybe it's 2022 because they, they uh, what I, the report mentioned that. So this is more, they, they sold more tickets on the first day than the Batman. What does that mean? There were people aware of when tickets went on sale for the Batman or maybe people are just like, because Marvel is such a known quantity for the most part, and with the success of Spider-Man No Way Home, people are like, man, I, I want more. And as great as, as Spider-Man was, technically it's not a Marvel Studios movie. When was the last time we had a Marvel Studios movie? Uh, Eternals and Shang-Chi, which people, I guess people weren't super crazy about those. And then you had Black Widow, which I loved. Um, so I don't know, but people, people are excited for it. And the other interesting thing, it has a runtime of two hours and six minutes. So that is uh, pretty short compared to most of the movies are like over, 
like two hours and 20, two hours, 30 minutes. And um, I think Captain Marvel was two hours and four minutes. So what's concerning is there is so much that needs to be covered. And, you know, if we're talking multiverse and going other places, seeing other version, and they're just going to keep in two hours. But then again, you know, people complain about Spider-Man 3 was too long with Sam Raimi. So maybe he's just like, okay, you guys are going to shut up. I'm, we're going to boom, 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 and movie done. So we'll see. I mean, I know it doesn't have to be super long. And, and some people complain. You know, I heard a lot of people complain about the Batman was too long. Or like, oh, 20 minutes could have been cut out. What 20 minutes? And why is everyone saying like specific 20 minutes? Where, did you have a stopwatch? Or is one person say 20 minutes could be cut out and everyone's saying 20 minutes could be cut out? Where, where do you get this magic 20 minutes cut out from? I mean, I saw it once, and it's not like I was like, okay, this this scene could have been trimmed by 37 seconds. This one could be trimmed by uh, two minutes, maybe two minutes and five seconds. Whatever. I don't get Just enjoy what we get. Okay, a show that I've been enjoying, Lock and Key, is apparently ending with the third season. So what's interesting they're the showrunners, producers, whoever, writers, you know, they're they're like, when we came into the idea of the show, we, we envisioned, you know, three seasons would be enough to do this, and we're going to wrap up everything and tell the story. That seems weird. Because, I, I don't know, I mean, I could be totally wrong since I'm not part of Hollywood. I would think if you're developing a show, you want it to last as long as possible. You know, who doesn't want a long-running show where you're consistently making money. You know, you want it to be a huge success that just keeps going and going. I, I don't I, I don't know. But I don't know what the numbers were. I don't know how what people think of it. I enjoyed it, but maybe they're like, yeah, we're gonna we're we're gonna call it before, you know, quit while they're on top, whatever or whatever the saying is. So we'll see. Uh, but I guess that's good. And because, you know, the, the comics have there's been more to comics. So we'll, we'll have to see where they're going to go with this. But I could see this where maybe it could be too much. You know, you, you don't want to try to drag it out because as much as I enjoyed the last season, there are some parts I'm like, Ugh, because it's the same thing. It's like, OK, we need this key. We need this key. And but I don't know. I, I feel like there's still a lot that, that could could happen. So we'll see. Oh, going back to Marvel, Ms. Marvel apparently is going to be rated PG. I don't think I mentioned that. I, I kept seeing a lot of Ms. Marvel, historic, blah, 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 this or that. And um, I was like, what's so historic about the, but the historic rating? And it's because it's the first Marvel anything that's PG, I guess. I think that's good. And I hope people don't dismiss it. You know, Ms. Marvel should be, I don't want to necessarily say wholesome, but, you know, you're, you're looking at this teenage kid who, it should be like full of hope and excitement. You know, she's, she, you know, she's looking up. You know, she loves the Avengers and and Ms. Captain Marvel. And I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, I think this could be a really good show. And it could, if, if it's, why not have more shows geared more towards younger people? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I'm looking. You know, as you know, maybe I teach middle school. You know, I teach. 12, 13, 14 year old kids. And, you know, I'm looking at some of the sixth graders who are like into this stuff. And, and yeah, as much as I want everyone to watch Moon Knight, they maybe they shouldn't be watching Moon Knight, you know, necessarily. And I, I, I think for them to have something like Ms. Marvel, which is a little lighter, maybe that could be good. Not saying that the show will be lighter, but I mean, obviously PG is going to be some lighter. And, um, 
Also, I with Ironheart, I saw that some newcomer kid was was cast, and he looks like a young kid. Not sure who he's, who he's going to play, but that that's fine. You know, why not have you you know Disney? That's the the, the beauty of Disney. So you can have things for, at different levels. It doesn't just because it's Marvel doesn't have to mean that like this is for just this specific demographic. So let's let's widen it, widen it, wide widening widening widen it out god that does not sound right widen it out <laughs> i should edit that right but as you probably listen i probably didn't so let's more this spread out diversify it right why not get something for everyone make, make more money that way maybe okay for some reason I, it feels like this news is taking let's let's go faster picard season three apparently is going to reunite the uh, star trek next generation cast which is interesting because you know we, we've seen Riker and and troy uh we've seen guinan guinan uh we've seen data but brent spinner i apparently with this this season in his contract he's like data is not not returning you know he wants to make it clear he doesn't want data to, you know, he felt data's sacrifice shouldn't be like washed away. So we'll see. But then there's also, what about evil data? His, what is his brother or something like that? It, and the interesting thing is, I, I realize, anyways, I, I shouldn't get into Star Trek. I'll talk about Star Trek when I get to Park Picard, if I don't forget, lose my train of thought there. Uh, what else? Orphan Black. This is a show that I've always wanted to watch. I, I've, I've just heard like good things about it, but I, I never got started, so I need to watch that. But apparently, so I don't know if, what this means to doesn't mean anything to me since I haven't watched it. But hopefully, this is good news. It's getting a sequel series called Echoes. So, Black Orphan fans, you're in luck. There's more ish coming. Some uh, exciting news for me and for me for others. So Bad Wolf, the company or the production, whatever you want to call it, they're wrapping up his dark materials. And we have, I think, the last season coming up. They're going to be adapting Bernard Cornwell's Warlord Chronicles. So Bernard Cornwell, he's an amazing. I haven't, I've, I've read just a few of his stuff. He's an amazing, amazing um, historical fiction writer. Just crazy amount of detail. So I don't even know like how much research he has to do to go into all this, whatever. But and it all it all seems legit, you know, when, when you read it. And I'm I'm no historian. But the the Warlord Chronicles. So it was the, the Winter King, uh, Enemy of God, and Excalibur. And uh, it's basically like, like King Arthur, like Arth- Arthurian legend. You got Merlin. You, you know, you had all the Lancelot, all, all the characters. This was really like my my main my my introduction to. I never read like *Mist of Avalon*, and that's supposedly like the King Arthur book that you know everyone always talks about. But I, I never, I, for some reason, I never never got into it, never checked it out or anything like that. But the the Warlord Chronicles, I just I love these, and I can't really express why. It, it's been years, you know, decades since I've read it because um, I think it came out like ninety five or something like that. I remember reading the first book. On a beach, and I think Puerto Vallarta. Uh, I was on a vacation there because uh, my, my parents were, were going there. Like, hey, why don't you guys, you know, come join us? And I, it's it's just so I think this is cool. It it, it is different since it is a, from what I understand. It's a slightly different take on, on King Arthur, and because um, you know, there's old stuff of like like with Morgan, Morgan. You know, are they related? Are they not? And then there's Nemu who was sort of in a Hellboy. So that that was like the interesting th- for me when I started taking a deep dive into Hellboy when I had that that little freelance project thing. 
um, for for Hellboy. It it, it was you know, it's interesting seeing like the the Arthur connection and everything like that. So I'm excited for that. I don't know where it's going to be. You know, I think it's it might be like a BBC thing, but then it'll be somewhere else. I think the report said it started like being developed at Epic. I think that was what I saw, but it's going to be showing somewhere else. So um, I I think it'd be great if it was HBO Max because you know they they did a great job with uh, his Dark Materials and you know promoting it and and everything like that. So more people that have access to it because if it's something like epics i think that's what it is right so i'm not even sure the name of it i i don't want to i have too many different services and i don't need more so there's that and what i don't know if i need more of this um <laughs> the crow I, I don't need more of this it's i don't think i talked about this last week it's getting rebooted the re there's another reboot happening maybe whatever bill skarsgård is in talks Ugh, i don't know i i just I, I get why people, you know, there's money to be made. People want this to happen. But it's just, the, the first one is just such a tragic, I mean, such a good movie. I, I feel like it holds up. And it's it's just such a tragic movie in itself and with just the reality surrounding Brandon Lee's unfortunate death. And with the the other Crow movies, man, whew, I, I, I think I, wa- I don't know if I watched them all, but I, I tried watching them and... Just, just leave it, leave it be. Um, the Witcher. I still haven't watched season two. I, I don't know if I should. I, th- I think people said it was better than the first season, but they've started a production apparently. So good news for Witcher fans and Henry Cavill fans. Uh, there was a trailer for season two of Russian Doll. I don't remember if I talked about that. I meant to look it up. If if I talked about it, you know, week by week or whatever, on on the show. But I enjoyed the first season, and I do recommend it. It's 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 kind of like a Groundhog Day type of thing, but just it's it's better. <laughs> and uh, sorry if people don't agree with me. I mean, it was, it's it's dark. It's 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 different. You you don't want to call it. You shouldn't compare that. But the second season is just things get get pretty pretty trippy. So we'll have to see what's gonna what that's gonna happen. But yeah, so that I'm I'm glad that's that's coming because it did kind of leave on a. On a cliffhanger you know there's kind of some unanswered questions so it just looks like it's going to go like off the rails in a good way so we'll have to see what's going to happen and then uh the last bit of news there is like so much moon knight merch coming out now and that's a good thing but it's kind of a bad thing also like i've already pre-ordered two funko pops there's like the first cover first appearance or not first appearance it's was it first cover now i don't remember if it's moon knight or i don't think it's werewolf by by night um so there's they're like the first cover funko's were a little bigger there's a disney plus funko where he's like leaping there's supposed to be a glow in the dark one that hot topics was have but i they haven't listed it they haven't they haven't even sold a regular one and then I saw like an unofficial thing that there's going to be like a glow in the dark Mr. Knight at Walmart, which hopefully I'll be able to pre-order that. And then um, I I did pre-order the Disney Store uh, Marvel Select Moon Knight figure, which are f- f- crazy expensive or more or more expensive than Marvel Legends. And um, then Mar or Hasbro has has shown that there's going to be a Mister Knight figure going on sale, and I hope I'll be able to get that. And there's a Hot Toys Moon Knight. 
Oh, jeez. Which I may or may not have pre-ordered. I, 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 I'm not going to confirm or deny it at this point. But that's not out till 2023. Holy crap. A whole friggin' year and some change before that comes out. Oh, anyways, let's move on. That's, that's your extended, slightly extended news for the week. All right, with comic books at Image, one thing that was interesting, I, I'm really curious, but not curious enough. Image has a ninja, Lego Ninjang, Ninjago, nin, Ninjago, edit, Lego Ninjago, Garmadun, Lego Ninjago, Ninjago comic book. I guess the, the weird thing is that it's through Image. And it's, it's Lego. It, it, you would think a licensed property. I mean, has Image done any licensed stuff like this? You would think it would be like at IDW or even Boom or, you know, so, somewhere. But, yeah, they, I guess not. And uh, I'm curious, but I don't know anything about Lego Ninjago, obviously. I, I, I don't know anything about that. And, um, yeah, so... It, it's just it. I'm just curious why. And from the the cover, I mean, I should look at the other covers. It looks like it's in Lego form. You know, it's it's not like they're saying, "Hey, let's let's take these characters, these ideas." You know, it's um, they look like like Lego figures. I guess that's cool in a way if if you know you're into it. But it just it just seems really weird. But we we have that at. At, at Image. Uh, Monkey Meat Issue 4 came out. Um, I don't know anything about that. Each, I haven't, I've only skimmed through the first issue. I'm deeply curious, but I, did, I haven't been reading it. But also what came out, what I did read was Radiant Red. Um, this is a five-issue series, and this is you know spinning out of uh, Radiant Black. And it, it's just interesting seeing you know a different character in the spotlight and, and seeing her story and all that. And I felt I thought there was something else at Image that I read. Oh, Little Monsters. Yeah, I was, I was like, I know there was something else that I, that I Little Monsters issue two. So this this is a Jeff Lear and, and Dustin Win. So you know that right there is should be all you need to know. And it's it's weird because these kids are they're basically vampires, and it's like this post apocalyptic world or whatever you know something in the future, and and these kids are just kind of like living on their own, and they're not sure what's going on, and. And um, uh, I don't really want to spoil like what happens. Um, well, I guess it says in, in a synopsis. So they, you know, they're they're out at night. Then they're like, oh, the sun's coming up. You know, one kid is is they 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 get bored. You know, they're, they're play they play hide and seek. You know, they've been doing that for years or whatever because you know they're super old because they're vampires. And it's weird because they are just kids. You know, there's no adult vampires with them. So you know, they're just doing what they do to get by. Um, anyways, one kid gets a taste of human blood. So it turns out, you know, there are humans around and uh, that seems like it's not going to be a good thing. Like there's going to be some, some big consequences from that at IDW. <laughs> there was a GI Joe real American hero 291. Oh, I should mention I did read the Saturday morning cartoon one from last week. Is that what it's called? Saturday morning cartoon. This I love that series. I love the story. It's just so weird because Cobra basically found a genie's lamp, 
and he's using his wishes to create these big giant like bats or the battle armored trooper or whatever <laughs> and cobra's just such a weirdo but with issue 291 so one of the things that what i'm not clear on is there's this uh this character Dawn, I, I think this is the issue I read. I'm, I'm trying because I, I read another G.I. Joe issue also, but I, I saw something a little before about her that, that she has like Snake Eyes memories, and did I I totally missed something. But it's like they they start calling Snake Eyes Sean. It's like when the heck did they reveal that his name was Sean? It makes sense that people would know what his name is, but I don't think they've ever said what his name was before. And it just it's weird if all of a sudden now they're like, hey, Sean, instead of, hey, Snake Eyes, because they always call him Snake Eyes. So, I mean, Scarlet knew him, you know, before his his face got blown up and Tommy obviously knew him. But yeah, I, don't, I don't know. So that that was that was a, a little weird. I really need to catch up. Uh, IDW also put out a Rocketeer comic, Rocketeer, The Great Race. So this is by Stephen Mooney. And now that I think about it, it's like I'm pretty sure I finished reading this, but it it had a a, a nice rocketeer feel. You know, I'm I'm I I, I love the movie as, as most people. I've read I, there's been comics before, right? I feel like I, I've read comics before, so it, it felt like it has a rocket, you know, classic rocketeer feel. You know, so we, we have Cliff and you know Betty. And he's going off on this mission, or he's not really a mission, but you know he's he's going after some bad guys, and you know he, then he's he's thinking about like you know maybe I should just give this all up because you know he wants to be with with Betty, and so it it, it felt like all the the right pieces are are here. So I you know like I said I'm not uh, necessarily a rocketeer expert, so like if there's any purists out there. You know, they, they might have other, you know, thoughts on it or whatever. But I I, th- I thought it was, it was pretty good. Um, at Boom, I didn't read anything there. At DC, Batman 122 came out. So this is uh, Shadow War Part 2. And um, I, I, I'm pretty sure I talked about Shadow War last, was it last week? So it, it's picking up from there, uh, as you may or may not know. So uh, I don't know how much I should spoil, but basically, Rachel Ghoul, he's you know he's like like oh you know we should he's he's feeling some guilt. He wants to turn himself in, and him and you know him and Talia they they go to turn themselves in, but then things don't go too well, and you know Batman's investigating you know like what what happened. And then he ends up going to talk to Talia. And then there's also the fact that Deathstroke has apparently been framed for for doing something. And so, you know, there's some tension there. Uh, Damien is, is angry. Rose Ravager is here. And just there's a lot going on. And um, Batman visits Talia and uh, kind of a little interesting reunion they have there. And um, so it's 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 off to a good start this, this story arc. So I'm I'm curious when I heard like oh Shadow War here we go again something else. But no I, I'm I'm digging it. Okay then we have Batman Beyond Nero Neo Year issue one, and I'm not sure how I feel about this. It's it's not I, I don't know if, maybe it's a new direction for for Batman Beyond not really. So what apparently has happened and I don't think it's a spoiler. But Bruce Wayne has been killed. So Terry is now on his own. 
and Gotham is kind of there's like this computer. It's it, Gotham is, is like not necessarily. I don't want to say Gotham is a lie, but it's it's kind of sort of like that. So you know things are being set in motion and all, all this. Uh, so now basically, you know, who, who does Terry have? Because uh, Barbara, you know, commissioner, she's a commissioner. She's still around, but I think she's looking to, to call it quits and everything. And because she's with the police, you know, she's ha- wants to do things more by the book, so she doesn't fully completely approve of of you know the whole batman thing you know with her fallout after whatever with with bruce and all that so it's kind of like terry is just on his own and and i don't know it's something just it just felt off a little bit like the the vibe of this so we'll, we'll see i mean i i love batman beyond but i don't know something's just just not not feeling right here for me uh batman killing time issue two this, I I just, I wasn't really feeling it again. Um, you know, I wasn't super crazy about the first issue. You know, but w- one thing I just don't understand, I think there is a, another reference to Catwoman and Joker just like hanging out or whatever. And I just don't understand it. You know, this is something that is like a main thing in Batman Catwoman. Why? You know, why would she want to take, you know, share company with a homicidal maniac is is that how we could describe him so i i don't know uh, <laughs> earth prime batwoman i didn't read that and then i was i was like oh flashpoint batman night of vengeance came out i was like wait what but that that's just a reprint of the the flashpoint batman okay monkey prince issue three i'm still i i'm not fully feeling this character and you know maybe it's just not for me but you know we have this kid. He has, has these. You know he's he's discovered that he has these powers to turn into this uh, monkey prince, and it just feels it's like teenage kid gets powers and trying to learn how to handle it. You know something we we've seen a lot, and you know there, there's a, a something charming to be said about that. I enjoy it. You know I I do dig the art here, but just the story itself. I, I don't know. I I'm, I'm not really feeling where it's going. Having the Batman appearance and Damien here, it's almost like it feels a little forced. And and part of the, the, the stupid thing that bothers me, and it's it's stupid stupid as in it's my stupid problem, is it doesn't feel like it fits in continuity. Because like with Batman and Damien fighting side by side, Damien can't stand Batman, or he he does. They would not be fighting together. And they show up when they first encounter uh, Monkey Prince. You know they're, they're fighting side by side, but it's like that just wouldn't happen. There's there's so much tension between them, and yeah. So whatever. Uh, One Star Squadron issue five. Uh, this this series is it's so dark with bits of humor sprinkled in it. It's such a bizarre series, and you know that's what you get with Mark Russell, I guess. So it's just. You know, Mark Russell and Steve Lieber, it's just, it's bad. So basically, uh, One Star Squadron, you know, there's this organization where if you want to order a superhero for an appearance, you, you can. And you, there are a lot of like D list superheroes and, and stuff like that. Red Tornado is like the manager, Power Girls, like the assistant manager. But then the the building, you know, the, the business was going to get sold. Then. It turns out the building gets burned, and they're saying it's arson. So who could have done it? And 
and there's just like it, it's just kind of dark it's, it's just kind of kind of weird so yeah that oh i just realized uh suicide squad somehow i did not read suicide squad 14 so i'm flipping through it now and um <laughs> i i i'm i'm curious where this is going like what you know with the whole with the the war for earth 3 the, whatever amanda's doing i really don't know where this is going yeah, so I don't know. So I, I should probably read that though. And then World of Krypton issue five came out. So it's still it's it's a nice you know you, you if you feel like you know where this is going to end you know it's leading towards the destruction of Krypton. It is nice to see little details, even though we've seen some bits of it here and there, you know, in other tellings. But it's it's interesting seeing how Jor-El's dealing with this, you know, like. The planet's in danger. No one wants to listen to him. And Zod, you know, just trying to, you know, go for power. But um, so we have to assume at some point, you know, Zod needs to get in trouble. He needs to cross, you know, the line too far and get sentenced to the Phantom Zone. So that hasn't happened yet. But it's also interesting seeing like a young, you know, young, 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 young Supergirl, you know, Kara and everything like that. And it's just weird to think, you know, when you look at all these people, it's like they're all going to die. And, you know, it's just a couple of people are going to survive. And. So it's 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 interesting take to see like just the politics of Krypton or whatever, or just a structure and you know how how it all fit together. At Marvel, um, apparently there is an Amazing Spider-Man two thirty eight facsimile, which um, I I wonder if it comes with the, it does not come with the tattoos. I'm sure, but uh, the first appearance of Hobgoblin, so great great ser- great issue, great story. Man, I love that. Uh, Black Widow issue fifteen. Uh, somehow I was not aware this is the last issue, which just really, really ticks me off. It's so annoying. This has been such a great series. Um, why is it a great series? Uh, maybe because Kelly Thompson's been writing it. I mean, she's she's been been kicking butt with this, and it's just this whole series has just been phenomenal. I mean, it was so such a bold move at the beginning, like when it's like Natasha has a family. Like, what the heck is going on? And just like so many cool moments and hardships and and I just loved, you know, the fact that Yelena's there and we have Winter Soldier and we have Hawkeye, we have Aranya, who, you know, Anya Anya Corazon, we have you know, she's so severely underused in the Marvel universe. And she's been fighting this uh living blade dude and um yeah, so things don't go too well for her because uh Let's just say there's like a major slice that happened last issue. Uh, maybe that's why this is the last issue. But hopefully we'll get more. Because, um, yeah, it, it's, it's been good. Uh, Captain Marvel Annual Issue 1. So this was not written by Kelly Thompson. And not to be biased or anything, but I, I didn't love it as much. When I first was reading, because you see the Star Jammers, and it talks about... Uh, Captain Marvel being with, you know, when she was binary with them. So I'm like, oh, is this a flashback story? But then when you eventually, you know, when you first see Carol, she's like, wait, she's in her Captain Marvel outfit. I was like, oh, so this must be in a present. Okay. And it was, it was just, it was just okay. I mean, there, there's one character, their story that, that I guess is, something you know it's important if you care about you know the the characters other parents but otherwise 
I feel like I didn't really gain anything out of this. And yeah, so it was just, just okay. Devil's Reign issue six. So this puts an end to everything. I, I enjoyed this series. I mean, Chip Zdarsky has done a great job. It's just, it's been nuts seeing Kingpin just like really take things like way too far. And, you know, you have to wonder, it's like, where is this going to go? And, and you know, it, he's the, the fact that he, he play, you know, makes it illegal for power. I, I've talked about this. I know I've already said so much about this, but it just felt like he's just taking things way too far. And then, you know, the fact that he's using a purple man to get the voters to vote for him. It's like, OK, dude, somehow you won the, the election to be mayor in the first place awesome you know great for you good job but now to continue it you're you feel like you have to manipulate people's minds that's the only way you can do it and just the fact that he's constantly employing super villains calling them you know whatever peacekeepers or this you know thunderbolts it's just how people can't be that stupid that they would buy that so what happened? Spoiler: uh, Previously, Kingpin discovers Matt Murdock's Daredevil. You know he he's able he's he's able to to get that mem- piece of memory back. So he goes over to Matt's apartment and spoiler brutally beats him to death. So what does this mean uh, for for what does this mean for the mayor? Uh, what does this mean for Daredevil? Do you have to read that? Because I'm not going to spoil that, but. Uh, yeah, we'll have to see. Fantastic Four issue forty-two. We we have more of the the reckoning story, and it this I I didn't love this issue as much as as previous installments. You know, one thing is the Baxter building is breached, so they're you know they, they the, the kids have to protect the the Forever Gate, you know, because that could take anyone any place at any time, and so Valeria calls reed her father and it's like uh should we do this protocol whatever which seems like it's just going to destroy everything and then ben when he finds out he goes ballistic and he's just like beating the crap out of mr fantastic because you know his wife and his two adoptive kids and everything like that and just the whole thing with the watchers it's just there's such a you know they're supposed to be so enlightened and everything like that and i get that their whole mantra or whatever is like you know don't get involved do you know anything like that and they're constantly saying well uatu you know he he's crossing a line you know he's always getting involved he shouldn't be doing this but then the, the fact that he he came uatu came to him and he's like this old race who we gave them technology they're doing all this stuff now we need to stop them and they're like nope and you're going to you're going to get put in a timeout but it's like, dude, you you're ca- you caused this to happen, so it's just, I don't know, it's just a little a little annoying that how dumb they're being. But I guess that's how it goes. Marauders issue one, we have new Marauders, and the main thing what we see here is uh, there. You know, there's a, a promo or teaser or whatever it was released. They're gonna bring in Cassandra Nova onto the team, or, or Kitty Pride, Kate Pride is is gonna do that. So Cassandra, as you know, is uh, the sort of twin of Xavier. And, you know, she's like super evil. You know, she basically destroyed Genosha, but apparently she's been fixed or cured, you know, with being reborn on Krakoa. And, and 
uh, I don't know. So we'll have to see wh- what where they're gonna go, and uh, they're gonna go out in space th- for their, their next mission. So we'll see. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Moon Knight issue ten. So this was a this was was a good issue. I I, I enjoyed this. So what's interesting here is this this dude who was a Rutherford Wiener, Winner, not Wiener, Winner, and uh, he he was a patient of the psychiatrist that Moon Knight's been talking to, and you know, he escaped. And what is his deal? You know what, what's going on? At first he, he's he's trying to say that the the psychiatrist that, that she's his and all this stuff like that. And Moon Knight, way he just like talks to him and everything and just it's the way he handles the whole situation is is very it is not i don't want to say like scary or in a way but it's, it's just like holy crap that you know that's it's just like matter of factly like that's what he's going to do so it's it's cool that you know jed mckay does that because moon knight he wants to help people and he hasn't been as like ultra violent as he has been in the past. I don't think he needs to be, but he's kind of known for that. And you know, there's been hints of that. He's kind of been using that. And uh, so he's just um, he gets he gets a little hardcore in a nonviolent way, but it's a pretty wow. So yeah, dealing with with this guy that comes to the the midnight mission and you know spouting this and that. So it's a uh, it was something. So this is a great series. You should be reading it. You just you need to catch up on Moon Knight. Like oh, there's so, so many good stories, and it's like where do you start? You know that this series you know, we're in issue ten. It's it's a good. This is a good start, but there's still there's so much history that is is not clear. If you're just coming on board now because of the show, but you know you should definitely be devouring the you know older stories. She Hulk issue three. So She-Hulk uh, is trying to, you know, go back to her law practice. She needs clients, but her, so she's working with uh, her former nemesis, and you know, with, with her law firm. And one of the things is, you know, she's not supposed to take on like powered clients because I guess you know that could just get dangerous and cause damage and stuff like that. Because like at one point, like uh, Ben Grimm calls Jen because she has no clients. You know, she's trying to go through her rolodex and like look up people but you know it's it's been she comments like you know last time she talked to him she's you know somebody's clients she like took off you know like to go on avengers mission sometimes in the middle of like a a case you know she's on whatever so she's you know struggling to do that and uh jack of hearts is back you know he supposedly blew up and was dead but he's back and he doesn't know how and you know his powers are a little little wonky now, and you know, he's trying to figure out what what's going on. So you know he's staying with with Jen at her apartment, which is really Janet Van Dyne's apartment. So it, it's interesting to see like uh, there's stuff that we don't know. So it's, it's like I keep waiting for some you know like a big explosion, like you know things are about to go bad, but we'll, we'll see. Spider Punk issue one. This was a this was a, a fine fine issue. You know, it's Spider Punk being Spider Punk, and uh, it it's it's interesting. You know, I don't know when or where the decision came that it's like this Spider Verse version of Spider Man. You know, this punk is not Peter Parker. You know, this is Hobie Brown. So I I think that that was an interesting move that in this alternate Earth or whatever you want to call it, someone other than Peter becomes Spider Man. 
and it's it is nice to have like this kind of punk background and you know you, you get a nice you know feel for it and you know we have these other supporting characters and, and stuff like that so it's it's interesting um I can't say that I it knocked my socks off or anything like that. I did enjoy it, and you know I do I love the visuals, the the, the concept, the way this character looks. I, I just I I'm so in love with 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 the look of, of this character. I mean, so much so that I had to attempt to draw myself. So you can see it on my Instagram, whatever from from last weekend. But yeah, so this 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 was a a, a good. See, I mean, I'm definitely going to read this to see what what's going on here and. Um, yeah, so it's it's a nice change of pace. You know, it's Spider-Man, but it's not Spider-Man. So if you have any interest whatsoever, I definitely recommend it. Uh, Star Wars Bounty Hunters, I did not read. And mainly because, you know, there's just so many characters that I just don't know or care about with that. So that's unfortunate. Dengar is in, in the issue. And, you know, with his big old... There's one panel, he has like a grin on his face. So I was like, Dengar shouldn't be smiling. This just seems weird. Strange Issue 2. I'm really enjoying this. No surprise, since it's Jed McKay writing this also. But it's interesting seeing Clea as the Sorcerer Supreme, and you know, part of her she she wants Stephen back. You know, she wants her husband back, and uh, so she's you know dealing with this Harvest Man, who is saying that you know the dead have to stay dead or whatever like that. But then what's interesting, and they don't mention it here, so I don't know if it's going to go any further. But someone who was dead pops up somehow and it's like totally random it's like why is this character like suddenly alive like in half a zombie state or whatever it's interesting and then there's this like uh magic market (laughs) sort of and uh cleo was there before and there's like some people like hustling like some magic street thugs we're trying to, you know, hustle the, the vendors and stuff like that. And she, like, chews them out. And she's like, this place is under my protection. And, uh, yeah, something happens this weekend, and she's not, not too happy. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes. The Thing, Issue 6, this has been weird. I don't know if this is the the last issue, if it was meant to be the, the last issue. But it's it's been interesting seeing the thing kind of like in a i don't want to say like a different setting or anything but it's just been a different vibe and just things just keep like twisting and turning like characters like okay who is this character and then all of a sudden it's like holy crap this character is really this and and so forth so it was just a, a weird weird story but uh tom riley's art just that you know caught my attention uh i you know i stupidly somehow wasn't really aware of of tom's art but i i dig it so you know follow him on instagram because he does a lot of he's been doing like all these spider-man like different spider-man sketches and and it's just so so good so i i'm enjoying that x-force 27 extras x-force 27 x-force annual i forget which one i read first um one you should read before the other now i forget which was which and um I think X Force Annual should be read first. X Force, they're you know, talking about like what what are they going to do? You know, Wolverine. This, this is like an aftermath of X deaths of Wolverine, whatever. And it really comes down to what are they going to do with Omega Red? Because Omega Red was trying to destroy, like, change the timeline. You know, going trying to kill Xavier before you know anything happened. And so with that, like. Uh, Beast is saying that 
he should just his file should be deleted he should be killed no chance of, of, of resurrection you know we gave him a chance we brought him but he betrayed us to the vampires and everything like that and this goes way beyond but then sage is like um but you know there's some stuff that that we're responsible for too and so beast is really happy about that and and then uh, also abigail brand shows up and we know that you know there's some dark some treachery stuff with her so it, it's yeah, beast is just being such a jerk and then there's something going on with the cerebral helmet so uh, i don't know what that <laughs> and then uh, with x-force annual um it basically again beast is being a little a little skeezy in, in a way and um so with with the orcus uh the organization that, that they're going up against uh wolverine domino and kid omega kind of get lured into a trap and their abilities are being tested or something like that and beast kind of allowed it because like maybe he wants a data too and it's, it's like i don't know so we have that and then x-men red i i kind of enjoyed this you know it's i wish i mean i i love tom taylor's x-men red i mean that that was a good series and this is nothing like that so this is going on Araco, which uh, it's Mars since it's been terraformed or whatever. So it's kind of dealing with because was it Abigail, Abigail? She said that there should be an X Men on on Araco, and you know Storm is there. And she's a uh, the regent. They keep calling her the queen. She's like I'm not the queen of, of you know Araco, whatever. And you know we have Magneto's there because he he left and he just kind of he just wants to retire, but you know he's probably gonna get pulled into it. Roberto da Costa is there because he has like a club on the planet and he wants to, you know, turn it into like a disco place. Uh, and so and then uh, Vulcan shows up and he's just being a, like a major jerk and, and stuff like that. So it's interesting. I, I have no idea where, where, what this is going to, where it's going to take us. Like what, what does all this mean? But I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm curious. I'm, I'm interested with this. So that is going to be it for comics this week. All right, then I guess we'll jump to The Flash, Season 8, Episode 10, Reckless. I don't think, I don't know if anyone levels up this week. Someone actually does level up, but I don't think it's, I don't think they mentioned. Anyways, it starts off, Coast City, Iris asks Dion, what's happening with her? Because, what's happening to her? Because, you know, her eyes are going, you know, he comes up, he's like, it ain't good. So he says that the time mutations that he's been tracking, every single one of them leads to her. There's something about her that's causing time to fracture uh, around her. And so it's, it's like it's, it's a virus that she has, whatever this time sickness she has, it's, it's coming from Iris. So she goes to her laptop and she sets off the alert and Barry comes over concerned. What is it? It seems like, okay, that's not too selfish. You, you you set off the emergency app. This is supposed to be for emergencies, and it's not like, oh, you have maybe some unknown, mysterious, you know, news. And it seems like she could just, like, call him. It's like, hey, Barry, guess what? Uh, maybe you should come over instead of doing this where he just automatically assumes, you know, it, it's, like, the worst thing possible. So Barry sees Dion. He asks Iris, you know, it was like, he was like, what's wrong? Then it cuts to like the intro, so she must fill him in and everything. So Ben Barry's like, "How do you feel now?" And she's like, "That's the thing." She's like, "I feel fine." And then Barry asks Dion if this is because of what happened in the other timeline. He's like, "Yeah." 
he says that, you know, he should never reverse her treatment. And she's like, no, it's not your fault. You know, it's the only way to prove Barry's innocence. Deanne says, but, you know, who knows what's next? And Barry's like, well, we just have to find a cure. And Deanne says that they have to get her stabilized. So he's like, sorry, but, you know, she has to stay put. She, like, looks around the hotel. She's like, well, I'm okay with staying here because, you know, it's a posh hotel and all that. And she's like, there's also someone there that still needs her help. So Barry's like, well, what if you have another episode? And, you know, Deanne says that he can put in a patch or, you know, something, whatever like that. But he says, you know, not going to lie, it's, it's going to hurt. So he snaps his fingers in front of her face. Her her eyes glow green. And then she, like, screams. And then, you know, she, she she's back or something like that. So he did something to her. And Deanne's like, I'll be back, whatever. And Barry's like, he says to Iris, he's like, well, you know, I'll grab a few things from home. And I'll be back in a few seconds. She's like, no, no. She's like, you still need to, you know, figure out the black fires because, you know, people's lives are at risk. And she's like, you know, I won't be alone. I'm with with Sue, and I have, you know, Sue Dibney, and she has her own work to do. So in Central City, Frost is, uh, <laughs> she's like listening to rap. She's dancing and, you know, whatever, because she's painting. And then she notices like a drop of sweater in front. She's like, since when do I sweat? So she goes to the thermostat to like turn the, the, the air up, heat down, whatever. And then... Blackfire appears behind her, behind her from like the painting, and a blast shoots at her. She ducks, and it just like goes through the door. But then she looks, and her arm has like a big burn mark on it. So it's like for some reason it attacked her, but it didn't try killing her. So at the Central City Citizen Media, I thought we were gonna get like some some tension with Allegra and, and employees, but no, not yet. Barry's there. He tells Cecile, Allegra, Chester, and Joe. You know about like what happens with Iris, what's going on with Iris. They ask if if you know, do you want to go be with her? He's like, you know, Team Flash can hold down the fort. And he's like, no, no, no. You know, she's right. And then he asks if they like Joe and if Cecile if they have any updates on the fire from the files or whatever like that. Cecile says none of the fire victims have anything else in common besides like grief. So Joe and Cecile are going to go look at more files that Kramer has pulled, and then like their phone buzzes. So Star Labs SR thirty seven. Alert, entry open. So someone just entered the, the med lab. So Barry zips over as as himself. He's not even dressed as a flash. He finds Froster and she's like, oh, hey. She's like, I was wondering where Katie kept the bandages or whatever. And she shows Barry her arm. So she doesn't go to like a store or anything like that, like a you know drugstore or anything. She says, just go to the lab just to take some, some bandages there, you know, that might be needed during an emergency or something like that. But like, oh, she's got a burn. So let's just, you know, raid, raid the stuff there. So he's concerned, and you know she says that you know she got attacked in her apartment, and no, she doesn't know why it didn't kill her. You know she wasn't grieving. They both thought that the fire at Star Labs, you know, and and then less than twenty four hours it follows her and attacks. So he's like, you know, maybe there's something up with that or whatever. So he's like, is it okay if I search the apartment from top to bottom, look for clues? And she's like, yeah, go for it. Because uh, Caitlin, meanwhile, is out on like whatever vacation with her her new boyfriend. So Frost goes to talk to Caitlin's mom, Dr. Carla Tanhauser, which is technically her mom too, uh, about the fire case because you know her mom does all this. She has her own research laboratory, whatever cryo stuff as well. So Carla's like says she, she you know, she'll help, she'll do whatever she can to keep Frost safe. But then Frost is like, oh no no, she's like, I want the opposite. You know, I, I want you to help me catch this thing by using me as bait. So to go to Star Labs, Barry's not happy with the idea, and Carla says that she wasn't crazy about the idea at first, but, you know, lives are in danger. And the way it works, the the fire burns, it's, it's just, it's the same way to how cold fusion works. So she thinks it's attracted to Frost because of her meta, her meta abilities are cryokinetic. 
So it must be going after her to, to for fuel to recharge itself. And Barry's like, Frost, we're not using you for, for bait. And he says that this feels like it's a, a last resort, like there's still too much that they don't know about it. So even if if they try this, they have to they have no way to trap it. And Carla talks about cold fusion and says if they could build a kind of fusion containment housing thing, whatever. Chester's like, uh, we uh, already uh, sort of have something like that. So the device that they have that can hold the artificial speed force can be recalibrated, of course. It's just, oh my gosh, it's like this stuff. I don't know how everyone's an expert on, on every little intricate things that they're just making up on the fly. So Frost says that Chester mom can do the nerd stuff while she and Allegra and Barry cuts in, wait around and get killed. And she's like, this thing's coming after her, you know, no matter what. She's not just going to sit around and do nothing while they have a plan to fight back. Barry's like, oh, sorry. He's like, I can't support this. So as team leader, it's like, I, I, you know, he votes it down. So there has to be another option besides putting her in harm's way. So he just walks out. Carla's like, you know, I still think it could work. And Frost's like, you know, get started. You know, so, and she goes after Barry. So she mentions, you know, something like, you know, well, isn't, is Iris supposed to be sitting in a hotel room? But, you know, she's helping Tinya and her, you know, find her mom. So she's doing what they do best, help people. And her, her mom and Chester both think that this could work. So, you know, give her a chance to make a difference like Iris is doing. And finally, he's like, okay. So Carla is impressed with Chester's know-how when he's, you know, she starts saying, oh, then you just need to do, and then he like finishes, you know, the te- technical mumbo jumbo. So she's like, when this is over, there's a job for you at, at whatever her lab. And then she's like, spoiler, it pays better. And he's like, really? And then he looks at Allegra. Nah, I, I ca- actually kind of like it here. It's like dork. So then uh, they get into position the device starts to amplify Frost's uh, cryokinetic signature. Then they get an alert. It's headed there fast. It starts getting hot in there, and then it comes through the ceiling, but then it's it kind of stops, stops and hovers above her, and Frost like, looks at it. She's like, what are you waiting for? And Barry's like, it, it knows what we're planning. So then Frost blasts it, and then it hits her, sends her flying out of because she's like leaning in like, kind of like this whatever strap thing, this chair, table, whatever. So she's like knocked out. And then uh, Caitlin arrives and is checking on Frost when she wakes up. And Barry's like, is she going to be okay? And Frost sits up. She's like, I'm fine. And she's like, I thought you were on vacation. Caitlin's like, yeah, I was. And then Allegra called and said that, you know, you were using yourself as bait. She's like, what the hell were you thinking? And Frost is like, that I could save lives? She's like, also, your bedside manner is terrible. And Barry says that after they got Frost to the med lab, he searched the whole city and there's no sign of the fire. I'm kind of getting tired of this whole fire thing. It's just like, what the heck is a point? And it's just like, this is just getting old and stale now. So Frost says like, they need to go back out there. And Barry's like, no. He's like, what we need to do is, is find another way to stop this thing. So at Coast City, at, their, at the Regency Adoption Agency, Iris talks to a receptionist who's like not helping. She's like, you said you'd give us information in person when I talked to you on the phone. And then she's like, like sorry and Tinya's like you said you would fix this it's like shut up Tinya you know sit down in the waiting room in the chair and just let Iris do her job so it's like so rude and impatient it's like yeah she said she could do it but oh she knows everything and she doesn't have to help you Tinya what stupid name is that sorry if there's anyone named Tinya listening you just shut up Tinya 
so Iris, she, you know, she says reception. She's like, I've done stories like this before, so I know how it works. And a lady, you know, said she's like, I I looked up the files after you called. Turns out there's a no contact rule in play. So Tinya gets up there to the counter. She's like, you mean someone doesn't want me to find my own birth mother? Who? And she like slams her. It's like, you're asking who when there's you, there's a no contact. You're not supposed to know who. So she slams her, her hands down on, like on a counter. And, and she kind of like phases through like a, a stapler or something like that. Because <laughs> she's like, she's my mother. I have a right to know. Then uh, Iris is like, okay, just go have a seat. So then she talks. She's like, is there anyone that we can talk to about, you know, overruling the no contact rule and the lady's like you know there's no one she's like you need approval from the board of directors and sue's like standing in the weight room and she sees this plaque with like the chairman and the like past chairman's name and she's like oh is that all she's like i got this so she gets on the phone she calls her uncle leroy so i I guess he's the chairman or something like that it's like just happens to be and the lady's like she's like impressed and she like you know sue gives her the phone or something like that and so the lady downloads the file onto like a thumb drive and hands it to iris so is that cheaper than just printing it out you know printing out a sheet of paper or whatever two sheets or something like that you just happen to have thumb drives sitting around your desk that you can just download all this information onto and i guess it's better for the environment i don't know and how does she know that the person on the phone was really uncle leroy or whatever is this like some dude she recognized the, the voice he, so they leave and the lady says to herself i need a break so she gets up <laughs> that was such hard work dragging file onto a, th- a thumb drive she goes in the other room and it's it's kind of weird for a moment because we kind of get just like a shot of the lobby for like a few seconds like nothing happening i'm like what what's going on and and then she comes back with a cup of coffee all the chairs shelves pictures on a bullet from boards plant like everything is gone from the room and she's like <gasps> so no idea what, what's going on there as they head out tinya She's kind of a little reluctant to find out now who her mom is because she says to Iris, she's like, what if my mom doesn't want to meet me? And Iris pauses like, she will. And Tinya's like, she gave up on me the moment I was born. She's like, what if nothing's changed? And Iris, she decides to make this about her, of course. So Iris is like, when I was your age, my mom wasn't in my life either. There's so much drama around it and something like that. So then uh, when she decided to to go to her or you know she when she finally had the, the chance to reconcile with her mom she almost lost the opportunity so someone made her realize that reconnecting with her mom was a gift so she barely got to have a relationship with her mom before she passed and then she's like oh i'm sorry i didn't know she's like no no but it's like dude you're whatever so Caitlin's going off on Frost for always doing things that put her in danger, almost getting herself killed. And then she asks mom, she's like, and how could you go along with this? You put your daughter's life at risk. And she's like, I don't see it that way. And, you know, it's like we were trying to save lives. And Caitlin's like, you're looking at Frost as a science experiment instead of as your daughter. So Caitlin begs Frost to please start valuing her life. And, you know, Frost just looks at her and then she asks Carla, do you still think this containment thing will work? And and Carla's like, yeah, if we can get it close enough. So Frost's like, okay. And she just walks out. So Carla's like, it, it'll work. So Caitlin says, it better. She's like, you have two daughters now. If something happens to Frost, you'll have none. So Barry's sitting around and Joe arrives. He says he talked to Carla, he heard the plans, and he heard about Barry's objections. He says that, you know, he's team leader and he's supposed to keep everyone safe. So, you know, he, he gets that. Today's plan is, is putting someone in jeopardy. And Joe's like, are you talking about Frost or Iris? He's like, you know, I'm concerned about her too, but you should be wondering if 
you should be asking your wife to, you know, pull a plug on her mission, just like you're trying to get Frost to, you know, pull a plug on this. So Joe's like, you know, I'm not the boss here, but sometimes the hardest thing about being a leader is letting go and trusting those that you've trained to make the call themselves. So Carla talks to Frost, says she talked to Caitlin, she changed her mind. So Frost says like, oh great, you know, are, are you gonna give me the mom speech now? And she's like, yeah, because I am your mom. So it's time I start acting like it. She says that, you know, it, it's cool how she has such a strong instinct to help people, but what she saw today and what Caitlin says that, you know, she needs to stop being so reckless, which is the name of the episode. Frost says that, you know, she doesn't get it. Being part of Team Flash means putting yourself at risk to help others. And Carla's like, no, you don't get it. You can't help anyone if you're dead. And she says that, you know, she's like, you remind me of your, your father, you know, not uh, Thomas, not Icicle, you know, before he turned evil, that he would do whatever it took to protect his family. And Frost says that, you know, she was literally born to be Katie's bodyguard. And asking her not to jump in the line of fire is like asking the sky not to be blue. Carla's like, you're more than just a bodyguard. And, you know, there's a time to protect others and there's a time to protect yourself. So Carla says that, you know, the plan could still work, but they need to keep her safe. You know, they have to be quick enough to trap the fire. If they use like a, a second energy signature, you know, maybe that would work. Frost's like, but no one has powers like I do. And Carla's like, I do. She's like, after Icicle put me in a cryo chamber, uh, you know, Caitlin did and her, they did tests to see if there's any residual genome particles in her body or something like that. There, nothing came up then, but then later, it turns out that she, she found out she has latent genes. She doesn't have ice powers yet, but she has the potential for them. So they just need to convince uh, one other person. And Caitlin over here, she's like, yeah, I heard that or whatever. She's like, yeah, I'm not crazy about us, but it makes sense. She's like, the, you know, the fire won't be able to resist the two of them and it won't hesitate. So then they'll be able to, to trap it. Then the alarm goes off. So it, it's downtown. Carla shows Barry her file about the latent genes. And um, it's just weird. It's like, why does she happen to have this file with her? Did she just happen to bring? It's like, oh, maybe I, I might this come, come in handy here. So the device turned on, the focus, she, uh, Frost tells her to focus on the powers. The fire is coming at them. It comes through the ceiling again, and it, it heads at them, but then it starts getting sucked into the, the sphere thing device. It looks like it's working, but then it starts, like, overloading, and there's, like, this face in the fire or something like that. And the, the sphere integrity, there's an alert. The integrity is, like, failing. So it's trying to break free, so they have to abort. And Carla's like, no, no, we can do this. And Caitlin's like, Carla's going into cardiac arrest and Carla's like, my sacrifice is worth it to save life. And Frost looks at her and then she pulls Carla away and then the, the fire gets away. And Carla's like, do we get it? And Frost's like, no, but that's okay. And they hug. So then Barry just stares at the ceiling. He's like, what are you looking for? <laughs> Joe's like, you let it go? And Frost is like, yeah, that's on me. And, you know, because she wanted to save her mom. And Joe's like, oh, I, I didn't realize that you made a judgment call and a good one. He's like, but at least they know that the sphere can contain it. So that's a win. And they can try again. So Caitlin, Frost, and Carla are at the apartment. Carla apologizes to Frost for not telling her about a condition. She wasn't sure what it would mean. And Frost's like, you know, that's okay. You just need to work on talking more. And Carla's like, you know, there's so much of Frost's life that she missed, so much that she doesn't know. And she's like, you know, I love you. And she's like, you do. And, and they hook. So then back to Tinya. Tinya, Iris, and Sue, they stand outside an apartment. So I guess her mom still lives in town. So Sue, it's funny. Sue kind of looks bored. She's just kind of like standing around. She's just going along with this. Tinya knocks and this lady answers. And she's like, are you Renee Wazo or something like that? And she's like, who's asking? And Tinya's like, your daughter? 
So they talk and she says that, you know, she knew this might happen someday. And, you know, maybe she even kind of wanted it to happen. So she's like, you know, I'm sure you have a lot of questions. And Tinia's like, one, actually. So she's kind of like struggling. She's like, why didn't you want me? And there's, there's like some tears in her eyes. And mom's like, I always wanted you, Tinia. She's like, I want you to know that. She's like, I was so young. I was 16. I was confused. And my parents convinced me that the best thing for both of us would be to give you away. And she's like, they were wrong. She's like, I never regretted anything more than letting you go. And the only way I could get through this crap life was thinking that you had a better one. And she's like, I'm not. And she's like, I needed you. I needed my mother. And her mother starts to say something. And then Iris says, ah! She gets like a sharp pain. Just totally kills the, the mood, the moment, whatever. So then the, the mom goes to check on Iris. And Iris's eyes glow green. So then the, the mom stands up. And her, because, you know, she like went to touch, you know, see if Iris is okay. But her hand is glowing. And she's like, what the hell? And then she, poof, she like fades into like green particles. And Tinya goes, what did you do to my mom? So she killed her. She blew her up. She's probably trapped somewhere in time, something like that. So it's like, that's nice. Good job, Iris. <laughs> so it, I thought that was the end of the episode. But then, no, Caitlin's in the apartment. The lights flicker. And she's like, oh, good, very funny, Frost, whatever. And then the fire shows up. And she looks, you know, her, her phone is too far away. It's like on a coffee table, so she can't hit the alert. And then it starts talking, Kate, Kate, Kate. The world's different now. There is no normal life for us. And these are the same words because then there's like a flash. She gets a memory flashback. This is what Ronnie, Ronnie Raymond was saying to her. And she looks at at the fire. She's like, Ronnie? So Ronnie Raymond is back and killing people? Probably not. It's Isn't it that just the same thing like Chester seeing his dad in the fire? I don't know. Let's be done with this fire business. It's just, it's what like, what is the point? Where Where is this going? And there's it, there's no way this is Ronnie. That would be so stupid. I don't even know. But no one actually leveled up. So technically, you can say Carla leveled up. You know, her eyes did glow white, like like Frosts do. But no one. There's no actual mention that I that I recall, unless I totally missed it. I don't think anyone used the words level up. So kind of a letdown there. They they dropped the ball. Okay, and now Severance Season 1, Episode 8, What's for Dinner? Oh, man, this sh- this show, this episode, I don't know what it is about it. I, I'm, like, obsessed with this show. As I mentioned earlier, I, I'm just, I need to watch that last episode, and I want to make sure I avoid spoilers and everything. And uh, hopefully, I don't even know if I'll be able to watch it tonight. Um, I'd have to wait till tomorrow. Anyways, so it, episode eight. So just know that, yes, the final episode is out there. You can watch that, which I'm, I'll talk about next week. So we finally see Irv on the outside. He's sitting on a bench reading. He has his, a dog named Radar. He le- lives at uh, Lenora Lake Apartments. He paints. He has a couple paintings that look like the long, dark hallway to the break room because there's like a door at the end, and then there's like a red light above it. And he plays uh, Ace of Spades by Motorhead. Like he blasts it while he starts a new painting, and he's, it's like he paints very frantically. So he's just and he's like painting over and over with this. So it kind of seems like he just has like a very mundane, whatever, average life. You know, because like one of the things I've kind of wondered, you know, since he he kind of has attraction to Bert, my question is like, is he really gay on the outside world? Is he married? Is he in denial? You know, like what's going on? But doesn't look like he's married. You know, he just has a dog. Doesn't seem like he really does much. But something's going on for him to be painting because he's he's just obsessed obsessed with with painting like the same thing 
over and over again. So then we see Mark, Dylan, Irv, and Helly, they go down the elevator to become, and they become severed. You see the, the where like, it kind of, the, the switch flips for them, whatever. So they're obviously they're all separate. Helly's working at her computer, dealing with, you know, going after numbers. So Mark is kind of watching over her, asks if, you know, she's going to make it. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She, you know, she says she is. In the kitchenette, uh, Dylan and Irv are standing around, and then Dylan says to Mark that, you know, Dylan's like, she's not going to make it. And he's like, she is. And, you know, you really should be at your desk. Then Irv asks Mark not to laugh, but he wonders if it might be helpful for them to stand behind her and chant her name. <laughs> Mark and Dylan just kind of like stare at him in disbelief. And Mark's like, she'll make it. You know, just let her focus. So Milchek is also watching her through the camera on her computer, which is just weird to think that, you know, you're staring at your screen and someone's staring at you and you don't realize it. Uh, but then Cobell is there and asks how she's doing and he says that she'll be cutting it down to the wire. Cobell thinks that she'll make it and she says that they should prepare for when she makes it. Uh, she also wants to schedule an end of the quarter wellness session for Mark one last time. Milchek just looks at her and he's like, really? And then she gets in his face and calmly says that it's been a trying quarter, but he's availed himself well. Mr. Grainer sits with Keir now and she imagines they're both very satisfied with him. So it's, again, the, the big question is, they're making such a big deal about the end of the quarter and like whatever they're doing, and we still have no idea what these numbers mean. So Heli um, says, she's like, hey, you know, she says to Mark, she's like, I did it. So 100%, and then some triumphant music plays from her computer. The others run to her desk, and then the numbers change to mountains, like, you know, computer graphics, like old school graphics, and like soaring through the clouds, and then there's a dude with a beard in a suit, like standing on a mountaintop, and he turns around, and he's like, I knew you could do it. Heli, R. so it's probably supposed to be Kier, right? Or Egan, I can't keep track of these people. He's like, even in your darkest moments, I could see you arriving here in refining your macro data file. You have brought glory to this company and to me, Kier Egan. Yeah, so that, Kier Egan, okay. <laughs> and he's like, I love you. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> but now I must away for there are others who need me around the world. Goodbye, Heli R, and thank you. He jumps off the mountain and flies. And Dylan's like, boom, that's quota. We did it. And Mark tells her good work. Irv looks a little concerned. And he's like, so it's on now? So then Mark is with Miss Cobell. And they're in like a different office. And they're both laughing. She makes a comment about almost having a heart attack for the quarter. And, you know, he says that they made it. And she's like, they did, even though he spent or they, they spent time farting around the halls. Then she asks if he decided who he wants to stay for the waffle party. And he says that he was thinking Dylan. And she's like, you know, you can choose for yourself or anyone but Dylan. And he stammers, yeah, but it's more his thing. And, you know, he really worked hard. So she kind of chuckles. And then she says she'll make the arrangements. Uh, but before he celebrates, she'd like him to drop by wellness. She says that, you know, she's having all the department heads do it and the quarter. And she's like, you know, with, with all this stress and Mr. Greener retiring and everything, um, then they, they laugh a little bit, and then she says, you know, all sarcasm aside, thank you. I, Lumen needed this. So she needed this, Lumen, but she says Lumen needed it. It's like, why? Mark sits in the waiting room, and there's like a sign on the wall, let not weakness live in your veins. Cure Egan, so it's on this little placard. Then Miss Casey opens the door and calls him in, and he's asked, he's like, where'd the tree go? He's like sculpted the tree thing or whatever. And she just says, you can take a seat. 
So he asks, he's like, why is everything in boxes? And she sighs and she's like, evidently Lumen's been blessed with a new wellness director. So I'll be retiring at the conclusion of this session. And the room is, he's like, what? what? Wait, when did they tell you? And she says just now, just a moment ago. So she turns on soothing music and she pulls out a sheet of paper. Mark S., you have successfully led your department macro data refinement to meet their quarterly quota and are thus eligible for this special augmented wellness session. And he's like, I didn't think you'd get fired because he was talking about like where they, they tricked her into roaming the halls. She continues, your Audi is kind. Your Audi has brightened people's day by merely smiling. Your Audi makes time for people even when, and Mark's like, he says, let me talk to someone. Her breathing shakes a little bit and she whispers, she's like, I really like being in the office with you all that day. I know I vexed you. I know I'm strange. And he's like, no, you're not strange. And she says, my life has been 107 hours long. Most of that has been these half hour sessions. For me, my favorite time was the eight hours I spent in your department watching Heli. It's the longest I've ever been awake. I suppose it's what you could call my good old days. Mark's like, He's like, there must be something that we can do. And after a slight pause, she asks, why do you care what happens to me? And Cobell's watching and listening. And Mark's like, because we're people, not parts of the people. Even with what little they gave us, you know, these are our lives. No one gets to just turn you off. Miss Casey says, you're nice, Mark. And she goes back to reading about his Audi. So it's weird to think, you know, 107 hours isn't that long. You know, we know she's been working there part time. So it's like, how do they decide when, like, what hour she works? Because so she hasn't been there that long, and that that just seems really weird. And yeah, because is it only when they need her? But what is she just sitting around and they're like, oh, by the way, go down the elevator. So, and the other thing is like, is she severed or not? Because she says she says her life, her her life has been on 107 hours long. So that makes it sound like she was severed. And that she's only spent 107 hours on the floor. So her innie is only 107 hours. I don't know. So uh, Miss Casey stops the playback, or Miss Cobell stops the playback. And Milchek says, You know it's good, right? That they don't remember each other. So yeah, so, you know, she's clearly uh, severed. And he's, he says, It means the chips work. It's a win. Cobell says, Take her back down to the testing floor, please. So Milchek takes Miss Casey down a, a long, dark hallway. She turns after a few steps and asks Milchek, do you know if I'm happy up there? And he's like, of course. He's like, you do all sorts of wonderful things. She walks forward some more, then asks, can I just, and he cuts her off. He's like, I'm sorry. I just have so much to do today. He's like, on you go. And he shuts the door and she enters like a, a different elevator. So Mark returns to MDR. He, the others asked, you know, where he was, and he says that they gave him a wellness check, and he tells Dylan that he's all set for the waffle party. Dylan asks, he's like, how's Miss Casey? Is He's like, I'm over her, but, you know, it's, I still want us to be friends. And, you know, Mark debates for a second, and he's like, they fired her. And they're like, what? Mark's like, she just found out. And Helly's like, asks, it's like, can we help her? Is there anything we can do? Mark's like, I don't know. Then he asks if everyone's sure they want to do this. Milchek comes in and asks if, if any micro dats are ready to party. So he has a cart. He said, uh, Dylan G's waffle party will commence at the end of the day. In the meantime, he's ordered the pre waffle party egg bar social for everyone. 
says that all of them deserve this for reaching quota. But before they begin, there's a very special gift for Dylan. So he uh, takes a box from the cart. And then, you know, he, he like says some some stuff about about uh, Dylan, which is weird because they just had that big fight last time. And, and you know, it's, uh, things got like tense. But he like says something about how his mind is as sharp as his incisor, whatever. And he's like, right, bud. And he's like, fakes laughing. Then Helly tells him to open it. And he's like, yeah, effers, you'd like that. He's like, but my prize, my eyes. So Milchek's like, maybe you should show them. And he's like, you know, sh- show them what you requested. So he's like, fine. You know, Mark smiles. And then if Irv um, f- fist bumps or kind of like bumps his shoulder or whatever, Mark, you know, claps him on the shoulder. And then he's like, then uh, Belichick's like, let's switch up the vibe in here. And Mark asks, he's like, are you okay? So we don't see at this moment what's in the box. So there's funky music and the lights again. Hallie's impressed with how good the egg bar really is. Milchek's like taking random pictures and stuff like that. Hallie and, and Dylan talk. And she says that, you know, she should stay behind. She's like, you know, don't you want to see your kid again? And he's like, tonight is the first step. And, you know, because, you know, he's, but he says that he's already been out there before too. So Mark smiles at Helly, you know, from a you know, distance. Cobell goes in her office and Natalie is waiting for her. So she shows her a couple surveillance pictures of Helly hanging in the elevator. And she's like, Helly R attempted suicide three weeks ago. And Cobell just says, yeah, she did. And Natalie's like, how could you not tell us? Cobell asks if Milchek gave her those. And Natalie says, answer the question. Cobell asks if she's speaking with the board, but Nellie doesn't answer but says, we also know that you've been spending time at the home of Mark Scout's sister. And Cobell doesn't say anything. And she's like, right. It has been decided that you be suspended from your position effective immediately. You are fired. And Cobell's like shocked. And then she's like, oh, flip off, Natalie. And she like, she's like, is the board even there? Natalie just like doesn't say anything. Then you hear a quiet, yes, from the intercom on the desk. So Cobell goes and sits at her desk. She's like, I'm sorry. She's like, that was rude. She's like, I can explain everything to the board tonight, please. And there's like static. And Natalie kind of smugly says, the board has concluded the call. So uh, Miss Cobell got fired. <laughs> and Miss Casey got fired. Everyone's getting fired. Irv's uh, staring at a like a painting of Egan on the wall. And he, he pulls out a compliance book. There's like a you know, book underneath the, the picture. And, and he reads, Endow in each swing of your axe or swipe your pen the sum of your affections that through me they may be purified in return. No higher purpose may be found than this, nor any higher love. And he puts a devil egg in the book and slams it shut. So Hallie's sitting at a table and she like kind of chuckles when Mark comes up. And she's like, I figured it out. The goats laid the eggs. And he's like, oh, my God, you got it. So obviously they're joking. Then she asks if he's scared about tonight. He's like, "Uh, yeah. And she says that she's scared of getting caught. She says that, you know, they left them unattended and thought that they'd be too dumb to notice. So, you know, they won't see this coming. Mark's like, or we won't wake up, pause, or we're a-holes out there. And Helly's like, well, that's a given for me. And they they chuckle. Mark says he, he just hopes that it turns out he has things that he cares about. Like for real, but he doesn't apparently because all he does is drink. Helly's like, you pretended to care about me pretty well, and he's like, you're you're easy to pretend to care about. And she looks at him and says, she's like, thank you, as are you. Then uh, the purplish light changes back to regular. Milchek's like, okay, refiners, I need to see about a management issue, and this party is over. It's like I'll leave the food. 
And he tells Dylan he'll be back to escort him shortly. So they wonder, like, what's that all about? So it must be about uh, Cobell getting fired. So Milchek walks Cobell to the elevator, and he's, like, carrying her box of stuff. Then he asks for her key card and, you know, gives her the box. And he's not sure what to say. So then he's just like, on you go then. So And then she, oh, you know, he actually took her to the stairs, so not the elevator. So she takes the stairs up. In the supply closet, Mark tells Dylan not to mess with any other departments, just the three of them. Helly reminds him that the machine's designed to be operated by two. And Dylan's like, he says, yeah, he's like, whatever. He's like, yeah, I'll be fine. And Mark says that, you know, they could be doing anything when they wake up, like driving or skiing. So they have to be ready for anything when they go up the elevator. Because technically, it's like, you know, they're going to go in the elevator and then, boom, they're going to jump however many hours later to, you know, being in the outside world. So the important thing is to find someone that it seems that they can trust and you tell them everything. Helly says that they don't know how long Dylan will be able to give them so they can't get distracted by their lives. Irv says the mission mission is a priority. Then Mark reaches into the drawer, pulls out Rickon's book. He's like, I should have told you that I kept this. He's like, there was this part of it. Our job is to taste free air. Your so-called boss may own the clock that taunts you from the wall but my friends, the hour is yours. And Dylan, Dylan like finishes the last part with them. They like look at him, and Dylan's like, "Page one ninety seven slaps." So uh, you know, because he's been reading the book too in secret. Irv goes in the elevator first with Mark and Helly waiting, and he says, "Let's find out what's for dinner," which is the name of the episode. Helly says, uh, "You think we're about to meet our spouses?" You know, to Mark, you know, they're standing there waiting, and Mark's like, uh, "Maybe," and then she's like, "Maybe it's." each other that'd be a hoot and mark's like yeah he gulps and he's like yeah like uh mid argument over car wash coupons she laughs and she's like honey you're cutting them wrong so they're just obviously like joking with each other because there's something you know something's happening here something's clicking so she goes next in the elevator as the door closes she jumps back out and she kisses mark it's like what this kind of seemed like it came out of nowhere and she's like in case we don't come back and he's like "Mm mm-hmm and then she's like, or in case we do. And he's like, right. And she's like, good luck out there, boss. And then Mark waits, and then it's his turn. So Dylan reads over the diagram page, like, over and over again. Milchuk comes into the office, and he's like, are you ready, Dylan G? He's like, he's not there. So Dylan, like, he's in the bathroom. He's like, I'll be out in a minute. So Mark goes up the other stairs outside, you know, in the building. And then outside, some guys are unrolling, like, blue carpet. There's, like, they're adding a sign, welcome, friends of Lumen, uh, on the front door, you know, outside the building. So there's something big happening or going to happen. Milchek and Dylan walk down the hall. He's carrying his little box with the gift. They enter the Egan Museum area, and Milchek says, enjoy. So Dylan goes into, like, the the mock house, the, the replica of his house. He goes in there alone. Inside on the, the, the table is a stack of three, like, big waffles and a glass of, of milk, and he pour some syrup on top so cobell's driving a car she's cursing loud loudly flip her gosh darn soul forever into hell filth and flipping fire until she flipping dies her and her flipping fake smile flip her gosh darn soul obviously i'm censoring this for our younger listeners <laughs> which it's, you feel so bad i mean cobell I don't know. Is she evil or not? Like, what is her deal? But she's just so cold and mechanical. And obviously, she is so dedicated to Lumen, and she just got canned like that. So it just seems crazy. Dylan um, finishes up the waffle, 
the bot like at the bottom of the plate says go now to the founder's bed so he takes the box and he puts on this like egan mask which is kind of freaky and then these two women in strange big masks and like kind of like lingerie come in and start like dancing bizarrely like in front of him we see Cobell enter her house and she starts like trashing the place, like screaming. She's just so frustrated. She goes in the basement, pulls things off, like uh, on off the, the floor, and goes to the shrine. She screams. She like smashes it. At the with Dylan, there's like four dancers now. There's like three women masks and a like a goat head. So what's up with the goats? They they look at at Dylan and then he's gone. So he he like ducked out, I guess, during all this, and he goes down the hall and he's he has his little box with him. So Cobell's lying on the ground crying, and then a doorbell rings, and it's Mark. He says that he's headed to Devin and Rickens and because they, they have that party tonight. And she's like, and? And he says, well, Devin asked me to double check to see if you're interested in coming. And she's like, sorry, Mark. I'm just not feeling quite myself this evening. The way she like kind of talks to her. And he's like, oh, yeah, I get it. He's like, it's, it's not a funeral. And she just laughs at this little sarcastic joke with her. So he, he goes to leave and she says, you know, maybe I could drive my own car and that way I could leave if I'm uncomfortable or afraid. And he's like, yes, sounds great. So Irv arrives at home with a bag of grocery, pets his dog. He's like, did you miss me? But then like, does his dog need to go out because he's been home all day, you know, inside while he's been working? So he makes a big thing of coffee again. We saw him like drinking coffee before. So this is probably why he's so tired at work because he's, he's up all night painting and drinking coffee probably mark uh gets to devin and rickon rickon um says the reading starts in eight minutes he's like did you bring your copy to book and he's like oh i must have left it by my bed and rickon's like well you know it's a 15 minute drive and uh you know you could probably drive back you know get there and, and come back if you wanted and he's like well maybe you know your your sister will share her copy so he says, uh, you know, they, they should talk later. He's talking to Devin. He's like, he has a decent-sized life change he's thinking about. And Mrs. Selvig pops up. You know, she arrives. She's there, too. So Dylan gets to the security office, goes inside. Irving goes back to his painting, and more of the same. Uh, Selvig apologized to Mark about her behavior when he came over. He, she says that, you know, she had a bad day at the shop. And he's like, oh, it's okay. You know, work is just work. Dylan uses his belt to... Uh, like lock the door like to wrap it around in his box he has like a, a i don't know if this is he has a, a, a laser cut cube of all four of them like from their picture and he takes out the instruction page he starts accessing the system goes to heli r mark and irving irving is painting turns on ace of spades again and starts starts painting um dylan hits hits a confirm button starts flipping switches at the party mrs selvig says you know not to be rude but she heard him say something to devin about a life change and he's like oh uh yeah i was gonna talk have a talk with her about my job actually and she's like at lumen he's like yeah i was gonna tell her that i'm I, i'm thinking i might quit and she's like quit dylan scrolls through the list of options and there's like beehive lullaby open house overtime it's like what what does all this mean Selvig asks, she's like, are you serious? And he's like, yeah, this severance thing, yeah, I'm not sure if I need it anymore. So she sighs and she hugs him and she whispers, do it. Because she's, you know, obviously mad at, at Lumen. So Dylan's trying to get the switches to stay on because, you know, they both need to be turned at the, you know, the same time to stick or something like that. Selvig um, says, she's like, get away from them, Mark. Irving's painting. We get like a, a super quick um, look at, at Helly. It looks like she's dressed fancy. You know, her hair is up and I th- she's drinking like champagne or something from like a glass talking to someone. And then, ugh, 
fade to black. So it's like it's like speeding. It's like it's it's about to happen. They're about to get switched. How are you going to react? And um, oh, I, it's just the fact that the answers are out there, and I don't. I just don't know. So I just I just want to get, get to my TV and, and watch this. So we'll find out next week. Oh man! But it's also it stinks that this is a season finale, and. Um, I didn't mention it. I didn't mention it in the news, but apparently it's official that the show is is getting a second season. I thought that was a given to begin with, because I, you know, I looked on IMDb, and you know, maybe I just you know make, made assumptions, but IMDb is pretty good at when they list the shows. Like you know, they'll have the season, and then they'll list like the next season, like that there's an episode there. They don't have a release date or anything like that, but like when the, the next season is confirmed, they like put in like a, a stub like a, a, a placeholder page for that that next episode or whatever so they've had a second season listed and I, I i assumed that this was just one of those situations where they just automatically renewed it you know for two seasons before the first season started or whatever like you know like they did with snowpiercer so but i guess it's official official now which is awesome and uh, i no idea when we're gonna get it you know will we get it later this year are we gonna have to wait till 2023 I don't know, but there's just something about the show. And maybe it's, it's just because it's a little weird or whatever, and I'm getting, like, slight Twin Peaks vibes. Not exactly, but I just love this this bizarre stuff. And and I feel like a lot has happened in this first season because, you know, it just makes you wonder. It's like, you know, where – once we get, like, more answers, you know, that's going to kind of limit things unless they have just, like, an even wider plan. You know, oh, man, I just – I can't wait. So I'm just – I, I will see next week what I had to say about the, the last episode. Okay, then Star Trek Picard, season two, episode six, two of one. This was an okay episode. There's little things that kind of bothered me with, with this, where it, it feels like, it almost feels like some things are being set up just to, you know, create the conflict, which, you know, obviously you need conflict for the shows, or otherwise things are going to get boring, but it just, oh, anyways, let's just get to it. It starts out, we see Picard, he's out. He's lying on the ground. There's like a little bit of blood coming out of the corner of his, his mouth. And you can hear like Rios and, and Talon. They're like, is he all right? Whatever. And he's like having flashbacks to when he was a kid. So it's like, what happened to him? Because, you know, for the blood, did he like fall from somewhere? It's like, why is he just lying on the ground? Then it cuts to 34 minutes earlier. Picard is standing in line with Talon at, for the, the big gala, the 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 NASA thing, you know, because they're going to keep eyes on his ancestor, uh, Rene Picard, uh, who is thinking about quitting the Europa mission. Apparently, he called Talon Laris again because she looks exactly like her. And he's like, oh, you know, she's it's no one or whatever, because she's like, who is who is this Laris? And she says that his voice changes whenever he says her names and so like that. She's, so she's like, so I know I, I can tell when you're lying now. Cause you know, since he said there was nothing. So they're, they're waiting for Agnes and it, it's weird. I refer to her as Agnes, but they, they always call her Girardi cause you know, that's her last name. So I, I feel like I should start calling her Girardi because they all call her that whatever. So they're waiting for her to hack them in and uh, she's still handcuffed. And the, the uh, like the imaginary board queen, like in her mind, we keep seeing her sitting next to her, which is a little cheesy and a little annoying. Uh, she pulls out some device that she had like somewhere, I don't know where, between her legs. And she knocks out the two security guards there. So the board queen's like, the key was in like the dude's pocket. 
she's like, I knew that. So she's going to have to try to scoot the, the big chair over to him to handcuff herself. But it's like it's like a long chair, like a bench almost. Um, Rios is getting scanned in and it shows like someone else's picture. And, you know, he's like, oh, you know, try it again or whatever. So the board queen says, she's like, I can help if you give me more control. Picard's like, he's like, we're out of time. You know, he's like, and Girardi, she's like, fine. So the queen's like, uh, tells her to pull her hands apart or something like that or something like that. And somehow she manages to break the handcuffs. So I so gave her super strength somehow. And then she inserted like a thumb drive thing and it gives them their new ID. So they're able to get in. So then, uh, then we see Picard is in like a, a like a medical bed. It looks like, and you hear we're losing him. Twenty six minutes earlier, now Picard's uh, his answer. Renee, she's still at the bar drinking, you know, having a drink, and then the others are kind of like standing around watching her. And Talon's like, you know, she looks all right, but you know, she could be putting on an act. Um, she says that you know she does this ear thing, ear tug or whatever when you know things are bad. She's like, I could be missing something. You know, I haven't really had any interaction with her in the whole 24 years been watching her because, you know, her code is just to watch. And Picard's like, well, then who watches over you? And she just kind of ignores us. And then, you know, she's like 10 hours till until quarantine. So we just need to keep her safe until then. The Borg Queen continues to have a conversation with Agnes. And it's it's just so annoying. It's so cheesy. It's I'm just not really digging it. It just seems seem like, you know, the Borg Queen She's just like the the stuff that the way she talks and she gets into it's like doesn't seem like this cold calculated you know robot alien conquering everyone's species or whatever, but Agnes you know she's mentioned how she didn't like lying to her friends but you know she couldn't let the the, the cop die at the, the the place at Picard's place, and you know she couldn't kill her only way home either, and you know for some reason the Borg Queen wants Agnes like cut loose and because you know she mentioned her stress hormones and stuff like that so it's like. Wait, you want her like you want her to go out dancing to hook to flirt with someone or like what what do you want? Rafi is at the bar. She l- looks at a whiskey and you know she resists getting it because I guess you know she, she, I don't know if she, does she have a drinking problem? I don't remember. So she has like a club soda. Rios comes up and he's like, oh look at this. He has like a real cigar and he's like so impressed with it. And then he's like marveling at it, like a box of matches and stuff like that. And she's like surprised to see him this happy. And you know he says that. Or she says that, you know, he's had a big goofy grin since he got locked up with that doctor lady. And he, he goes on, he's like, well, you know, she built that clinic from the ground up, you know, and, and she's saving people. And, and she's like, you do not go back there. And you know, she's talking about, you know, uh, like just messing with the timeline and stuff like that. So he goes somewhere and then she looks like across the bar and she sees Elnor again and she's like, <gasps> and, and then he's not there. Renee has another drink. It's like, how many drinks has she had by now? All right, and maybe it's the same drink she's sipping. I don't know. Picard asked Talon if she normally drinks like that. And she's like, well, you know, she's going into quarantine. Maybe that's her last hurrah. Then Talon notices that, you know, she's like kind of tugging at her ears. And she's like, that usually means the beginning of a downward spiral. So she's going to check who she's texting because she's been on her phone. And Picard says that, you know, she does seem to check her mobile device quite a bit. Turns out she's texting her therapist. She's she's texting, I can't do this. I'm not ready for this mission. When this party's over, I'm going to tell Musa I'm out. Q as her therapist, which is like, you know, how did he worm his way into becoming her therapist? He's encouraging her to quit. And Picard's like, you know, which one's Musa? So Talon's like, it's a mission commander, her boss. Picard says that he's going to go speak with Renee. And Talon's like, "Uh uh-uh. She's like, you know, we're not breaking the code. And he's like, you know, what, what if Q's right? What if, you know, she's not ready? 
she says this and he's like well you know perhaps it's you who are not ready it's like this is her destiny you've done a good job now let her go so picard tries calling girardi to because he wants her to talk to musa to i guess distract him or something i don't know because they could talk the same something they have something in common but agnes is talking to the board queen she gets champagne and the board queen says that she notices that she's been getting attention and Agnes like, Oh, it's a dress. Cause you know, she's wearing this red dress and it's showing quite a bit of cleavage, which seems like out of character for, there's a lot of cleavage in this episode. And it's like, this is not what you expect in the stuffies, you know, Star Trek uniforms. Uh, the, the board queen says like, no, it's us together, <laughs> which is like, that doesn't make any sense. It's like, you're showing your potential. Then Rios comes up to her and asks if her communicator's down because Picard's calling her. And she's like, oh, uh, I must have accidentally turned it off. And he's like, are you doing all right? And she's like, mm-hmm. And he, you know, he keeps trying to fi- you know, find out well, like, what's going on with her. And he's like, you know, something's up or whatever. And he's like, he knows that, you know, that she had blood on her hands just a little bit ago, you know, killing the board queen or whatever. She's like, why, why, do you, why are you asking? And he's like, because. He's like, I care about you. And he's like, you know that. And the board, board queen's like, don't let fear get in the way. Allow me. And then Agnes pulls him, you know, grabs his tie and like pulls him forward and kisses him. And he pulls away. He's like, no, no, no. He's like, that's not what I meant. And she's like, no, I'm, I'm sorry. And she's like, I'm just not myself tonight. And she like rushes off. So Renee, still drinking, whether it's the same drink or another one. And then uh, she's think, having flashbacks being in a the simulator. Then she like rushes off somewhere, somewhere. And Picard's like, you know, we can't wait for Girardi. It's now or never. And Talon's like, what are you going to say to convince her? And Picard's like, I'm not quite sure. So then um, he hears Picard and Adam Soong is there. You know, he's standing in front of him and he tr- introduced himself. He's, he's like, I believe we have a friend in common. And he's like, uh, Mr. Q? And Picard's eyes kind of go big. He's like, he's not a friend. And Soong is like, that's what, what Q, you know, Q said about you. And Picard tells him, he's like, have nothing to do with him. And Soong is like, you know, I don't care to get in the middle of whatever this is. He's like, just, just walk away. He's like, I can't allow Renee to complete the mission. So he's like, stay away from her. And Picard's like, I could say the same to you. Soong says that, you know, he doesn't have a choice. And then, uh, you know, a lady comes up to him. She's like, oh, Mr. Soon, thank you for your generous donation, you know, to the Europa mission. And she's like, welcome to the board. So he's on the board now, apparently. And she's like, is there anything, you know, she kind of pulled him away from Picard a little bit. She's like, is there anything I can do for you? Give you a tour or whatever? And he whispers, he's like, that gentleman, he's dangerous. So then uh, security start, like, moving in on Picard. He, like, notices him, kind of, like, looking at him and start walking towards him. So then, and like the present here, don't leave us. We're losing him. And the defibrillator clear. And then there's like more flashbacks of him being a kid at, a kid at the, like the winery estate place. So 14 minutes earlier now, Picard tells the other he thinks he's in trouble. He says he lost Renee. Rios is like, oh, that's, he's like, I got eyes on her. She's on the move. Girardi tells the board queen that she's like, you can't push me like that. The board queen says that, you know, good things happen when you loosen control or whatever like that. So it's just like, what, what is your deal? Picard tells Talon that he could use some help. Rio says that, you know, he doesn't know how long Renee is going to be sticking around. Girardi, you know, she's just like standing somewhere else. She's like, you know, we're jeopardizing the mission. You know, we need to leave. And the board queen's like, oh, don't, you know, be ridiculous. Talon radios Picard um, that security has all the exits covered. The board queen tells Agnes that she wants to help. Um, her friend needs a distraction. And, you know, then she's kind of like looks around and then uh, somehow the board queen makes the lights go out. So Agnes starts singing Shadows of the Night, 
like acapella. It sounds really good and everything like that. Then, the, you know, because she's like up in this kind of like the stair top balcony thing. And then somehow, I don't know where the spotlight came showing on her because all the, the power's out. The band starts playing and stuff like that. But it's like, how the heck does she know the lyrics to this song? Because this is how many centuries before? And it's, I mean, you know, we, we can't really say it's like, yeah, we know songs from a, a couple, you know, you know, Beethoven's Fifth or whatever like that. And maybe I could go dun, 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 dun. You know, is that Beethoven's Fifth? <laughs> but there's no lyrics for me to know. And it's just, it was, it was so bizarre. I mean, like I said, it sounded good, but <laughs> it's just just weird. So, you know, she walks her way to the stage, you know, the band's playing at the end. Uh, maybe the Borg Queen hacked into the radio, the Google and looked up the lyrics. I don't know. So uh, Agnes bows and like when she comes up, like the Borg Queen is bowing with her. It's just so stupid, you know. Okay, we get that she's not really there, but they're like showing it like she is there, sort of, because you know she's in her mind or whatever. It's just so, it just seems so ridiculous. I don't know why it bothers me so much. And anyways, and she's like, it worked. And she's like, thanks for the flood of endorphins. Those nasty little stress hormones were getting in my way. Then Agnes is confused. She's like, what's happening? The Borg Queen says that like, this was her plan all along. She's like, finally, the endorphins I needed. I think I'll steer the ship for a while. So. This was all just so the Borg Queen can gain control of Agnes's body, I guess. Picard um, catches up with Renee. She's like standing by like a display or like a, you know astronaut suit or something like that. And he's like, you seem upset. So she kind of frantically replies. She's like, I'm sorry. I don't mean to re- be rude. I'd like to be alone, okay? And Picard says that in his experience when he's distraught, he finds a talking about something else often helps. And then she's like, any suggestions? And he says, look up. And, you know, there, there's this, uh, like, little, like, shuttle thing hanging there. He's like, can you tell me about that ship? And she, you can see her, like, relax, because obviously she knows about this. She's like, OV-165 shuttle. I call her Spike because she's got these kick-ass aerospace engines that use less fuel. Then she says that, you know, she means no offense, but um, he seems a little up in the years to be a security guard. Because he has, like, you can see he has, like, an ear thing, you know, whatever, like, the... Cord hanging out his ear, and he's like, "True, but I'm the wisest of them all." He goes on about fear and melancholy and stuff like that, and she's like, "You're talking like you know me." And he's like, "You're Rene Picard, astronaut. You must have done great things to have come this far." Then he's he's you know she had sat down, so he sits like you know next to her, and then he says that she reminds him a bit of his mother. He's like, "She too loved the stars, and she too struggled." And she's like, sometimes fear is a friendly reminder you're not ready for something. And he's like, no, fear is fear. He's like, it doesn't speak in riddles. Fear means you're smart to understand the risks. And then she's like, and what are you afraid of? And he's like, I don't even know where I'd begin. And she asks if he learned to live with it then. And he's like, he says he found it even in the darkest circumstances, there is light. Sometimes, you know, only a glimmer. So trust that light, find a way back, no matter what it takes. And she's like, your mother was very lucky to have you. And he thinks back to her. And so I still, I'm not clear. I don't know if this is information's out there, but it's like something happened because we see them, you know, at the the, the estate and, you know, they're, they're doing fine. But she's like, gets like taken away or something. Like, you know, someone's grabbing her or something like that. It's like, I'm not really sure what would happen. So, but then he's like, oh, I, you know, I remember I was sent to collect you. Dr. Jemison is going to be making a toast and they want all the astronauts on the stage. 
And he's like, will you be joining them? And she's like, I will. So he convinced her not to quit. Soong sits outside his car. He's thinking back to his daughter, to Cora, and her, like, her struggles and everything like that. And Q saying um, you know, that he wants him to remove obstacles, you know, Renee, Picard, and stuff like that. So Picard and Renee are walking outside now. So I don't know how they're supposed to get back to the, this party, to the stage, but somehow they're walking outside the building. Then a car comes screeching up. It's soon Picard sees, pushes her out of the way and he gets hit. So soon hits him, hits him with the car. Then Rios and, and Talon arrive and they're, you know, they check on him. He has a pulse. He needs a doctor, not a biopad. And Rios is like, I know someone. Of course he does. <laughs> He's he's probably just happy at the chance to to go back to his to his doctor lady friend. So Picard's getting checked by by the doctor, and everyone's there except for Girardi. So the doctor asks, like, does he have any conditions? Um, if has he had any transplant? And Seven's like, he's had some transplants, and she's like, some? How many? And Rafi's like, all of them. And she looks at the monitor. His heart's all over the place. He's in the middle of a major cardiac uh, event. So. And then she takes the she uses the the defibrillator and then it like shorts out her machines like with feedback. But um, it did kind of work because his blood pressure is stabilizing. So soon goes back home. He goes to uh, his daughter to Cora's room or Cora whatever I think that's how you say it. And she's like, "What happened to you?" And he's like, "Oh, I'm fine." And he you know he sits down. He's babbling about uh, all his life. You know, he tried to make things. He poured himself. You know, he he, he trying to do the right thing. Poured himself into her. Believed she'd make it. And now, after everything he did, you know, he realized what he's capable of, of doing. He still failed. And he's going to lose her. His life's work. And she's like, "You're scaring me." And he's like, "He's like, and I couldn't stop her." He's like, "I could, you know, only stop him. You know, he's just collateral damage." And she's like, "You know, she's like, what are you talking about?" So Rafi is like, "You know," and she's like, "So Girardi can sing." And then they're like, "Any word from her?" And then the doctor comes out, you know, because the doctor made them go out out in the hall. So she says that Picard is stable. You know, she's going to leave. She's like, I'll be back. I have to go check on my son who's about to wake up and, you know, wonder why I'm not here again. So Talon asks her, like, you know, how long is he going to be out? She's like, uh, how long is Picard going to be out? And the doctor's like, I don't know. She's like, you know, everything's working. Uh, I'm not sure why he's not waking up. So they're like, you know, can we go see him? And they're like, okay. So they go in there and then, you know, Rios talks to the doctor, you know, before she leaves. And, you know, she mentions that you know she's used a defibrillator more times than she can count and you know how there's that weird reaction and he's like well maybe your your kid you know, was messing with it and she says something about you know like uh, about trusting a man who would you know try to blame a kid or use a kid as a scapegoat or whatever and you know she's looking she's like who are you and he says you know he knows how it looks or or how it doesn't look he's like but you know trust me we're the good guys and she's like the good guys never say that so Corey, she's like in the lab. She looks on 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 Soong's, her dad's computer, and you know she goes on the internet and looks looks up Adam Soong, and she sees that he was banned from something for like unethical methods. Another article says you know disgrace science scientists you know something something over the use of eugenics that's somewhere genetic experiments mad scientists, and she sees a bunch of files. And, and this like video opens up and they're soon with uh, what we assume is her is a little girl like at a tent and she's and like a stuffed alligator or something like that. She's like, why don't I remember this? Then there's another video of Soong and the girl like at her fourth birthday and there's doesn't seem to be anyone else there. 
then there's like a, a picture of her roasting marshmallows over a fire pit. And she's like, why have I, I've never seen this photo. There's more pictures of the girl and Soong like on his lap next to each other. And she, none of these look familiar at all. Then there's another video and Soong's like, July 11th. Today was a good day. Life signs are looking up. I estimate Persephone has a 97% chance of survival. So that's July 11th. Then on August 12th, Friday, Persephone died from complications. One month old. And she's like, who the hell is Persephone? Then there's another video, January 23rd, Disponia, age three. And another says, Persephifata or something like that. Her liver failure caused her brain to swell. And another video is like, Artemis is is currently in the midst of, so just more and more, like all the stuff. And then there's last one is like, today was a hard one. You know, frustration got the better of me. He's like, I know now this one will be the last. And there's a, there's a sense of release in that. I will do anything and everything to make sure she survives. Corey. And she's like, what am I? Dad, what did you do? So obviously he's been cloning her, doing something, and trying, I don't know. Is that what he's trying to do? Trying to make a a living clone? Maybe his real daughter died and he's trying to preserve her? I don't know. So Talon is has like this energy pen thing that's like has Picard's brain was or something mapped out or something like that. She says his his amygdala is responding as if he's in immediate danger, but all and all the synapses are firing. Seven's like that doesn't seem right. Uh, she's like brain activity should be minimal in a coma, and Talon's like exactly. So she's like you know is this meant what if this is mental? You know all of his vital signs appear normal. There's no brain swelling, no brain brain bleed. And then um, we hear like his mom, you know, he sees in, in his memory, Jean-Luc, look up at the stars. And then you have to get me out, Jean-Luc, please. So something's going on. Rafi asked, you know, what's going on now? Because the thing is like showing something, you know, it's a starting to spike with these other memories that are, are coming. Talon says that he's, he's stuck in there. So the longer he is, the harder it will be to get him out. And she's like, I could go in and maybe pull him out. Because her device that I think and what she uses to to check on Renee, whatever, it could be turned to to look the other way or something like that. So she said it would be kind of like a jury rigged mind meld. And once she gets access to the mind, she can like hack into whatever memories or thoughts that he's fixated on to try to get him to let go of it. And Rafi's like, no, no, his brain is comatose for a reason. And Talon's like, as long as there's this God or whatever Q running around, you know, things are in danger. And the only one who knows anything about him is unconscious on this table. And they're saying some stuff like that. And then Rafi's like, fine. She's like, why not? And, you know, she's like, what else could go wrong? You know, how much worse could it get? And then we just see Girardi walking down the street, you know, just carrying her shoes. She's barefoot and her wet dress. And so the Borg Queen is out. Who knows what trouble she's going to get into. And that's where the episode ends. So this whole Borg Queen, I don't know. It just seems like this unnecessary subplot that's just tedious I, I don't know but i guess whatever that's how it is so we'll see what happens next and now it is time for moon night season one episode two and i feel like this is going to be long because i'm going to want to cover every single little detail this is the only show that i've been watching twice in, in 24 hours so i did it again uh like when it, the episode drops at midnight uh west coast time i'll watch the show and this time I was like really tired because I didn't sleep much the night before because I never sleep anyways. And then I usually watch it like within 24 hours, usually like like nine or 10, you know, the, the next day. And um, just 
trying to catch any little detail or whatever. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's so many more Easter eggs and I, I'm, I'm sure there are articles and stuff out there. I don't read all this other stuff and I don't want to like use other people's. I mean, I could always credit, you know, if I see something, but anyways, I am enjoying the show. I really like it. And I feel like with the second episode, I'm, I'm kind of embracing it a little more with the first one. As much as, as I enjoyed it, you know, I was a little hesitant. And I, th- I think just, you know, being that like cautiously optimistic because, you know, the first episode, it's, it's really about Steven. You know, we barely, we don't even see Moon Knight until the end. So I'm just trying to like hold off to see like, okay, where are they going with this? And I think with, with this week's, you know, we, we get more of a taste and we, we see more of like what's going on and kind of get a, a little bit more answers. So I'm starting to appreciate or accept, like fully accept that, okay, this is this version of Moon Knight. That's totally fine. It's way better than the ultimate version of Moon Knight, which I did not care for that. Uh, so this, I'm, I'm just really, really digging it. The, the, I think the thing that just really hangs over my enjoyment, this you know, raining on my parade or whatever, is knowing that there's only six episodes. That you know, the powers that be, whoever is like, just so adamantly saying, limited series, limited series, only six episodes. That's it. Not like, hey, here's a show, and then you know, maybe by the time you know it ends, we we get a, a, a season two is coming. Although I guess like with Hawkeye, we haven't heard anything about you know season two of Hawkeye, so. It's kind of like that. But with Hawkeye, I don't think they called it, you know, just a limited series. And we know, you know, with like Echo, you know, a show coming out, uh, you know, there's a possibility of seeing, you know, some characters return and stuff like that. But with this, it's like there's no no clue what's going on. Obviously, there's that Werewolf by Night special. So maybe there's that. I, you know, some people have been saying, well, maybe we'll get like Midnight Suns or something like that. Or maybe, you know, maybe Moon Knight will get a Moon Knight movie. You know, that that's hasn't happened where they start out as a show and go to movies just the other way around. But if anyone can do it, why not Moon Knight? It feels like so many people are getting into Moon Knight now. And I don't know if it's just me as a protective original, not original, original, but pretty close to the original fan. It's great. You know, more Moon Knight, the better. Just it is funny when some people just clearly um, I saw like a, a, a certain <laughs> um comic writer or artist or friend on on facebook's like asked about jake lockley or something like that or like or some and then so many people commenting like like almost like he has no idea who jake lockley is you know and they're like explaining and it's like come on so all these like know-it-all people who or maybe and just like some of the different theories out there anyways let's just get to it so i'm, I'm enjoying the show Summon the suit, episode two. Um, Steven wakes up screaming in bed. He jumps up and runs, but gets tripped by the cable, attaches leg. He looks in the mirror. He's, he's like, are you there? And there's like nothing. So he gets up, goes back to work in the museum. Uh, sees like this repair guy goes by. Because, uh, you know, so where it ended last time was him like fighting the, the giant jackal thing in the bathroom, beating the crap out of it. So... Um, there's a repair guy goes out and JB to like desk security guys, like blocking off the air and the, the area. And he says that they're saying it's burst pipes, but that's not what it looked like to him. Steven's like, has anyone looked at the, at the security footage? JB says he was just about to. And Steven asks if he can go with him. He's like, I might have some information about this. And then, so they go back and like in front of like all of the monitors, JB's like, Oh, don't tell, you know, Don, I let you, you know, back here. So Steven warns him. He's like, you know, what you're about to see is going to melt your brain. Yeah. 
he's like, it's like Area 51, like MI6 bonkers, bruv. <laughs> yeah. It's like, like, bro, the way he talks. I also heard um, someone, I, I, I think it was on, on Reddit, someone's like, what's up with the way he talks? You know, someone's like, I'm from London or whatever. It's like, we don't use, like, there's a certain, I forgot the word, like some word that they don't really use. And, but people are like, it's probably intentionally like a bad accent or like bad wording because, uh, because of, you know, Mark Spector creating this persona or whatever. So uh, JB starts to tape. You see Steve, Stephen hiding behind the case. And then he's like, Scott, is that you? And he's like, uh, still Stephen. Then he's looks at he's like, are you crying? He's like, yeah, j- just, just watch. So he, um, he gets up, he's like, you can't see anything. So he's like, oh, what about a different angle? And you just see like Stephen running. And there's like nothing chasing him. And JB's like, you messed up to lose. Larry maintenance is going to go, is going to absolutely shoot you. And Steve's like, no, there was a, a dog chasing me, a big hound and, or like an Egyptian jackal, you know, chasing him. Then, and he's like, fast forward to when I come out and you see just, it's just Steven walk out, but it's really Mark. And he just like stops and stares at the camera and JB's like, it, it's, it's still you. And Mark, Steven's like, that's not me. So Stevens in the office, he gets to talking to, and the the guy behind the desk, he's like, the museum has no wish to press charges. Uh, you know, they've spoken to his colleagues. You know, it's all been a bit of a struggle for him recently. Hey, and he's like, a bit, yeah. He's like, this uh, particular group of doctors has a longstanding relationship with us, and he slides this pamphlet to him, and it says, providing the support you need to be the best you you can be. And it almost looks like, is that like a moon in a circle? Like some, I can't really see the, the, the symbol from like the, the angle. And uh, the dude says, he's like, oh, they're wonderful. And, and he, he's like, you know, he tells Steve, he's like, and you're not alone. Which he's like, yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> and he's like, before he leaves, he's like, um, it's protocol to ask if you have any museum property on you. And he's like, well, I haven't nicked anything. And he like searches his pockets. He just has like the key and the phone. And he's like, I got nothing. Then he like kind of points, he has to turn in his name badge. So he goes to the, the statue dude, who we know as Crawley. Uh, he mentions that he got the sack. You know, he, he found things in his flat. He wonders what the key is. And, you know, if he can find a storage locker, you know, maybe that'll give him some answers. So he decides to go out. He uh, finds a place with the logo on the key, goes in, asks the guy at the desk if he can look up a locker under Stephen Grant. And if not that, then maybe Mark, uh, no surname. And the guy's like, yeah, I know you. He's like, number 43, right? He's like, I never forget a face. So he walks him to the storage unit. And on the door, there's another QR code on there. So last week, there was one on the museum. I don't know if I mentioned it. If you scanned it, it gave you Werewolf by Night 32. This week, if you scan it, it takes you to Werewolf by Night 33. So you can read the comics for free online. Inside this big storage unit, there's like a, a cot. And there's like some storage container. There's some clothes. He looks at there's like this gym bag and he, he finds a gun in there and he's just like, ooh. And, you know, he sets aside there's like stacks of money. It looks like English money, U.S. money. There's a U.S. passport. Now, here's an interesting thing. So, you know, you got to pause it. Look at this like I did. So it says Mark Spector, born March 9th, 1987 in Illinois, USA. It was issued, and this is the, the, the kicker right here. It was issued on December 14th, 2018, expires on 2028. So if it was issued on December 14th, 2018, then unless this is an absolute forgery, which is possible, it's probably not, we can assume that Mark Spector wasn't blipped 
during the Thanos snap. I hate the, the they use blip because I believe that happened like mid to late 2018. So Mark Spector was alive during that that five years, which would make sense in other stuff that, that happens. So then uh, Steven's like, Mark Spector, and he like sighs. He looks uh, deeper in, in the bag. He finds a golden scarab in there. He's like, no way. It's real. It's totally real. And the scarab kind of opens, and it like separates from the base and kind of like floats above above the base like in his hand. And he's, he says it's, it's like a compass, except it's, it's not pointing north. Mark's voice starts uh, talking from reflection on the wall. He's like, Steven, I need you to listen to me very carefully. And Steven's like, oh, there he is. And he he like he's like, here he comes. And he like waves to him. Hello, man in the mirror. He's like, I was wondering if you'd pop up again. And Mark's like, I know you're scared. I know you're confused. You weren't supposed to see any of this. And he's like, too late for that, isn't it? <laughs> and he's like, so what am I meant to be? Like some sort of mad secret agent or something? Mark says it's a little more complicated than that. More complicated? He's like, what am I, possessed? Are you like a demon? Or And Mark says, you're in danger. He's like, and I can save us. So... I wonder, people keep saying Mephisto, Mephisto, like he's going to be part of this. So maybe he is possessed. Maybe, maybe Kanchu is really Mephisto. That would be so bad, so dumb. So uh, Mark's like, you're in danger. It's like, I can save us just like I did last night, but I can't have you interfering with what I have left to do. So he tells Stephen to go lay down on a cot, take a nice nap. Are you joking? Sleep? I'm never going to sleep. go to sleep again. You hear me? Look, I don't care how bloody handsome you are. <laughs> Because it's his own reflection. He's like, tell me what this is, what you are. Um, he's like, are you sure you want to know? He's like, yeah. And so Mark's like, I serve Kanshu. I'm his avatar, which means you are too, sort of. We protect the vulnerable and deliver Kanshu's justice to those who hurt them. And he's like, Kanshu? He's like, the Egyptian god of the moon? And Mark nods. He's like, oh my God, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I eat one piece of steak and then bam, I go bonkers. So he thinks he's having like uh, like a panic attack or something like that. Mark's like, you know, he's like, I made a deal with Kanshu, and that deal is contingent on you not interfering. So Stephen, now give me the body. Let me finish this, and you will never hear from me again. Stephen stares at the gun. You want my body, Mark? He's like, how about this for a deal? I'm going to take this bag full of illegal poop, yeah? And I'm going to go straight to the authorities, and they're going to put me away so I don't hurt anyone else, and hopefully... NHS will find will fill me with enough pills so that you get out of my head. The lights kind of flicker a little bit. So he runs out of the storage unit. He like slams the door. He doesn't lock it. He just, you know, leaves the lock there hanging there. And then the lights in the hall goes because they, they, they kind of go on and off in sections. You know, they're like power conserved lights or so when you walk there, they turn off and then they'll, they'll turn whatever, turn on and off. So they're kind of like flickering, like like all the way down the hall, and you can see like there's something at the far end. It's getting closer because it's like dun 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 dun, getting closer, and it's like Kanchu. So he starts coming at him. Stephen like he was like running. It's almost like a maze. He's like running all over the place, and somehow he's ends up behind Kanchu, and Kanchu turns his head and he's like, "Give it back, you fool!" Steve scream, runs out of the building falls in the street almost gets run over by a vespa that stops this lady looks down at him mark where have you been and he steven looks up at her he's like layla so they're riding he's on the back of her vespa and she's like what the heck is going on it's like is this steven the latest fake identity for you which is interesting she thought that he was using a coded message on a phone and he's like how did you find me she's like i tracked your phone i thought that's what you wanted since you turned it on and she thought that he was in danger or kidnapped again. So what what's up with him getting kidnapped? 
and hopefully we'll find out about that. So then she's like, I kept thinking, he's got the suit, he's fine. Then I thought, well, what if he gets ambushed when he's not wearing it? What if he doesn't have it? And then she asks if uh, the, she's like, do you, do you see the spiral that you put me through? And he apologizes. But it's interesting. She's like, what if he's not wearing the suit? So is Steven wearing the suit and just doesn't know he's wearing the suit? Like, what exactly does that mean? How is he wearing it? Like, what does it look like? It's obviously not an actual suit. So we'll, we'll more on that later. So she's like, it's, it's okay. She's like, I'm still your wife. And then she's like, by the way, this would be a great time for you to say sorry or something or anything, just in case it's not clear. And he's like, sorry, so, did you say my wife? Are are we married? And she's like, I'm pretty sure we lost, you know, she just ignores it. She's like, I'm pretty sure we lost, you know, whatever is chasing you. So she's like, drop the act. And he stamped, he's like, it's not an act. And she's like, stop with the accent, please. He's like, this is how he talked. And she's like, okay, I'll get off my bike. And he's like, wait, like, please. He's like, I'll tell you everything. Just get me to my flat. Yeah. So they, they get there to enter. She goes up to Gus, Gus Jr., I guess, in, in the tank. And Mark's reflection's there. And, you know, but obviously she doesn't see it. So Mark's like, get her out of here, Stephen. You're way out of your depth. And Stephen's like, I just want my life back. And she, she hears this, you know, hears him say that. Then he's like, no, no, no. Then she looks at his bed. She's like, um, she's like, is this your flat? And she's like, are you living here with someone else? And he's like, like, no, no. He's like, this is my mom's, mom's flat. And she's like, oh, so you guys are talking again? So that's the other thing. Like, what's up with, with Stephen's mom? Because, you know, he only gets her on, on voice message. So I think there's something there. Then she sees this book, this like uh, like French uh, poet or author or something like that. And he recites his poem in French. And then she joins in, recites it with him. And he's like, oh, she's my favorite poet. And Layla's like, um, no, she's my favorite. And then she looks at like stacks of stuff on, on, on a desk. And she's like, she's like, oh, you're learning French and hieroglyphics. And he he's like says some stuff about it is whatever. And she seems to know something about hieroglyphics too. And uh, so he's, you know, he's impressed with that, whatever. And so she like laughs. She's like, I'm, I'm not buying it. She's like, you can use whatever accent you want. You know, she's like, I have some, some papers for you to sign. So, and she's like, this is what you wanted. She's like, after everything you told me that we needed to move on. So he looks at him, they're like divorce papers. And he's like, I, I would never divorce you. And she's like, what are you doing? And he's like, look, you seem absolutely lovely. This Mark, on the other hand, is a right twit, yeah? Says he doesn't know how to... Ex- how to explain what's happening. Mark tries getting him to listen. Steve starts to tell her about the bag in the storage unit. And Mark, I'm I'm keep getting a mix up. Mark's like, you're going to get her killed. You hear me? And then Steven stops. And, but now she's curious, you know, she wants to see what's in the bag. And, and Mark's like, you show her that scarab. You're responsible for when they come after her. So she like kind of pushes them out of way. She reaches in the bag. She finds a scarab and she's like pointing to Amit's, you you shop tea or something like that and she's like we fought for you know side by side for it and she's like if this one man show is so you can just keep it for yourself after everything that we've been through he tries uh talking and she yells and she's like just stop she's like how can i believe anything you say when the scarab shoved inside a gym bag and then he's like just take it all of it he's like i'm not mark specter i'm stephen grant i work in a gift shop well i used to work at a gift shop he's like i think i'm in real danger and i think that maybe you know, you might be the only person that could help me. He's like, please. And she's like, you really don't remember why we've been looking for this, our adventures or our lives together. He's like, I wish I could. And then there's a knock on the door. He's like, Oh, bugger. Or whatever. He's like, he thinks it's the police because he vandalized the toilet. 
So he opens the door like a crack, and it's, there's two officers there. They want to come in. He's like, oh, no, no, that's fine. He's like, uh, he says, they, they cleared it up at the museum, and they're not going to press charges. But they, like, shove their way in. And it's a lady cop and a, and a dude cop. They ask if anyone's with him. He's like, like, oh, no. So Layla, she disappeared. Uh, he asks if this is about the toilet because it's been dealt with. You know, he's been sacked. The lady cop, like, looks in the bathroom, you know, and, and looks in the mirror. And then she looks out the open window. Lila's, like, outside the window, like, like ducked around it. And then the dude cops, he holds up this pyramid. He's like, what is this? And it's a it's pyramid. And Mark's like, it's a, a paperweight? Where'd you get it? A paperweight shop? <laughs> then... He says Stephen is in possession of stolen property, and he's like, "No." He's like, "I was like, I don't have it." The dude cop looks in gym bag and finds Mark Spector's passport. Stephen says, "Like, oh, that's not mine." And the lady cop's like, "Fake passport and a thief." She's like, "We're gonna have to bring you in." So he's in the back seat. He's cuffed. The lady cop looks up his file on a on a compu- the, the police car computer. She's like, "International fugitive." And you can see Mark Spector was part of the team of mercenaries that hit a dig site in Egypt. And her jaw drops when she sees like what they did to the archaeologists. And she says that they like zip tied and shot them in the back of the head, execution style. Steven's like, like, no, no, no. I was like, I didn't do that. that that's not me. And it's interesting when you know you look at the file, you, you read it like the the agent that was charged with investigating this. Uh, so, anyways. So the, the car arrives somewhere. They're not at the police station, and they tell Stephen to sit tight. Yeah, and then then like something hits a window, and then there's this lady with like a, a ball out there, and and he's like, "Oh, get me out of here!" And he sees that she has like the scales tattoo also. So Mark tries talking to him from the window, like reflection. He tries talking to, him to surrendering control of his body, and he's like, "I'm never giving you control." Then Arthur Harrow opens up the door. So Ethan Hawke's character, he uncuffs him and he's like, he's like, no wonder the scales won't balance for you. He's like, must be hard with all those voices in your head. And then he says that, you know, he's curious if he thinks Kanshu chose him as his avatar because his mind would be so easy to break or because he was broken already. And Steven's like, I'm not broken. He's like, I just need some help. Then he sees Kanshu standing and he like kind of flinches. Harold is like, he asks, he's like, do you see him? He's like, do you see him right now? And he's like, that's a privilege I no longer have. So it's like, that's interesting. Kanchu's like, kill him. And Harold's like, what is he saying? Is he telling you to kill me? And he's like, break his windpipe. And Harold tells him to remember that he doesn't have to do everything he asks. So before you get excited and put on the cape, he's like, I'd love to take the opportunity and show you around. So everyone in this like little area, this little t- street, you know, they seem to know Harold. And so, you know, they probably all have tattoos or whatever. And, you know, he mentions how they all feel safe now. They don't even lock their doors. And you see as they're walking down the street, Kanshu's just like kind of sitting at like on the little rooftop, like just watching them go by because you can't do anything, I guess. Inside, uh, people are, are sitting around or like watching something on a screen. Uh, people are eating. Harold offers him food, says that he made, you know, part of something or soup or something. Kanshu's like upset. He manages to like knock some, some stuff over. Harold tells Stephen that Kanshu often throws a temper tantrum like a two-year-old and so that's like all that he can really do and he says like you know that's why he was banished from the other gods and Kanchu says that you know he only punishes those who have already done harm Kanchu's like i am real justice harold guesses he's like oh let me guess he's probably saying i'm real justice now steven asks he's like can you hear him and harold's like not anymore he's like i was his former avatar uh before you know 
Stephen, he was a fist of vengeance. Harrow says that Kanchu punishes those who have already committed an evil act, but his retribution comes too late. So by the time his fists of vengeance arrive, people have already suffered. Ahmet knows that this too well, so she tears up evil from the root, casting her judgment before any evil is done. That's why they must resurrect her. And Stephen's like, isn't that a bit dodgy? Like trusting the judgment of a weird crocodile lady? Harold says that, you know, he, he doesn't need to doubt her judgment. Amit will light the path to good by the eradication of the choice of evil, which brings them to the scarab. So, and then um, as he says, it's like people around kind of like start standing up like around Stephen. So Harold says that the, the scarab functions as a kind of compass. It leads them to Amit's tomb. He's like, she's out there waiting to be freed, so they'll be able to eradicate evil. Steven says that he doesn't have the scarab. So then from a metal bowl, Mark's like, do not do not say her name. Do not give Layla up. Then Harrow's like, can I talk to Mark? And he's like, Mark, what has Kanchu promised you? That this is your last mission? That you'll be free? He's like, trust me when I tell you, Kanchu is a liar. There's always one last thing. Then Steven says that if Ahmet is prejudging a person before they commit an act of evil, isn't she judging an innocent person? And he's like, you know, a thought isn't evil. He's like, I, th- I think of killing my boss, but I would never do it. He's like, what about a child? Would she kill a child who, who's not going to do something for, for like 30 years? He's like, and then Harold's like, sometimes you have to cut off a disease part or, you know, for the greater good or whatever like that. It seems like a child's not a diseased limb. And he looks around and asks everyone if they're all into that, you know, killing children and that he's like, maybe it's just him. But he kind of draws a line there at, at child murder. Then Harrow starts talking about his cane. He's like, it's Ahmet's gift to her first avatar, which I'm, it's like, then how do you get it? If she's dead or maybe he they found it. So it's like, obviously, he's not her first avatar or whatever. And he says it contains a tiny sliver of her power. And you see there's like some purple like glowing stuff like on, on the around the edge of it. He says that, you know, he doesn't want to have to use it. And Stephen gets up and he's like, then don't. He's like, where's the scarab? Where's the scarab? Where's the scarab? He just keeps saying it over and over again. Then Layla appears. She's like, I have it. And she holds it up. Hero says that she can't possibly understand the value of what she's holding. So he's like, let me have it. And he's like, I'll keep it safe. And Kanchu's like, there is no deal in this, Mark. Fix this. Fix this. And Layla says to Stephen, she's, you know, she's up next to him now. She's like, summon the suit. And he's like, what, summon the suit. what are you talking about, summon the suit? And she repeats herself. And she's like, keep this safe. So they, they start to run. Harrow's like, so be it. He slams his cane down on the ground, like on a stone floor. And like purple light kind of kind of spreads uh layla like she fights you know there's this guy like at the top of the stairs and she like kind of shoves him over the railing whatever harrow's like speaks some like egyptian or something like that and then this kind of like square hole on the ground appears and like this creature starts clawing its way out so steven's like freaking and you know they they they're locked themselves in this room he's like he's gonna die in the evil magician's man cave then mark tries getting steven to listen to him you know layla's yelling at him and she's like, you know, you can do this. She's like, I promise. And he's like, I can't. He's like, I'm sorry. He's like, I can't. Then she's like, it's okay. We'll find another way. And like the door is like pounding, you know, it's like, it's just something's like trying to push it open. Then a jackal appears, you know, door gets busted open. Layla can't see it. And Steven ends up, he gets flung out the window. Conchus yells like, summon the suit. Uh, so Steven hits a, a pipe and then Mr. Knight does a superhero landing. So he's dressed in a suit. So I thought it was going to be like episode four or something like that. No, episode two, we get Mr. Knight. 
So he does a superhero landing and then falls over. <laughs> so his eyes are glowing, and if, if you've seen him, whatever. And he's like, oh, that could have been much worse. So Mark's reflection, he's in a suit. He asked Steve, he's like, what the hell are you wearing? He's like, I don't know. So it's Steven wearing the suit. He's like, you said that you know, I needed a suit. He's, and he's like, yeah, the ceremonial armor from Conchu's temple, not cycle Colonel Sanders. And Steven says that, he's like, well, I don't know how any of this poop works. You know, I think the, the suit looks sharp, though. And Mark just asks, he's like, where's the scarab? So he looks in his pocket, reaches behind him. He pulls out like two like uh, scrim sticks or whatever you want to call them, tunch, tunchians, two sticks, beat, beat you up sticks behind his back. He's like, oh, look, these are cool. And then boom, the creature falls like right on top of him. So it like must have jumped out the window. So Layla climbs down like you know this other way. Then Mister Knight. Um, so it's not really Mister. I mean, it, it, whatever. Mister Knight is th- thrown through like this wooden gate. He like reaches his car bumper to pull himself up and kind of squeezes it, and he accidentally pulls it off. So he seems like he has like some sort of super strength. Uh, she tells him she's like, "You look different." And then she sees him like shove forward and pull back. He's he's being picked up by an invisible creature. Then he's getting pulled up. And Layla throws a bottle, you know, she throws a bottle on the ground to where the, the creature must be. And then she gets like hit back. Then um, she grabs the broken bottle and she like slices at it, gets hit again, gets dragged back. Steven uses like the, the a metal like car rim that's like in an alley. He like goes to hit it, but then it gets grabbed and he gets hit with it. Then Mark tells him again, he's like, give me control. You know, let me have control. And he's, he's like, you can't handle this. And Steven's like, I think I can. He gets up takes off his jacket rolls up his sleeve he's kind of like bouncing around like 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 a a boxer and then the the creature comes at him and he gives it sorry that was a little he gives it a solid punch and he exclaims he's like yeah he's like i did it he's like you got planted and then he gets kicked into the street slammed against a a bus (laughs) i gotta start with stop with the noise and then he gets up this car like hits him and the creature whatever he struggles to his feet Mark and, and like the the window of the bus, he's like, you know, that was a hell of a punch back there. He's like, but look around, all these people. He's like, someone's likely to get hurt. And Steven's like, he's like, all right. He's like, do it. He's like, take control for now. So Mark takes over. The Mr. Knight suit changes to Moon Knight. And what was interesting is, so, you know, if you've seen the costume, he has a, the moon on, on his chest and it almost looks like it's like bound there. You know, there's a couple of things, but he reaches to his chest and he goes, shunk, shunk. And he pulls out like two like crescent moons. So it's like, does he have like unlimited throwing crescents? Layla looks at him. She's like, you know, she's like, get it out of here, the, the, the creature. So Moon Knight starts, you know, he tries to get it to follow. He climbs up the roof and he's like running and jumping and uh the the creature's like chasing after him he does uh, what you see in a trailer the first trailer where he like jumps from one building to the other like the moon in the background whatever so he's he's running jumping sliding and then they're going he's like okay 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 you know and then uh he grabs it manages to impale it on the spike of like the statue thing in this like little square and then it just like it turns to sand so then he releases a suit so he's back as as Stephen Grant, Mark Spector, whatever. He looks in his pocket and he curses because the scarab isn't there. So then in the wreckage, uh, a homeless guy found it. And then Harold's like, I can offer you food and clothing. Whatever. So he's like, he takes his hand, but then the, the guy dies. So he must have done something evil. So Harrow has the scarab now. 
And then Layla's like watching from like across the way. She's on her Vespa and he like sees her watching and she leaves. So that's not good. Steven talks to Mark from a reflection. So Steven is, Mark is in control now. So Steven's in a reflection now. So they're, they're switched. And he's like, oh, is this what it's like on the inside? And Mark's like, yeah. And Steven's like, it's, it's terrible. He's like, I feel like I can scarcely move. And Mark's like, just, just breathe through it. And Steven's like, how long have you been doing this? And he's like, I don't know. It's a long time. So it's probably because it's been during 2018 on. So somewhere around then. Uh, Steven says he doesn't like it. He's like, I don't, I don't want it. He's like, can I have, have my body back? And Mark says, he's like, I can't do that right now. So Steven's like, he's like trying to get it back. And Mark's like, they're, they've always been able to keep a wall between them, but something's changed. So the one who controls the body has become stronger. The reflections help, but most of the time it'll take all your willpower just to be a fly on the wall. Steven says that he's like, you have no right to keep me trapped in, in, in here. He's like, my, it's my whole life. He's like, I can't go on a bloody date. I can barely keep a goldfish alive. He's like, I lost my job. And you know, he's like, it's, it's been you. It's always been you eating away at parts of my life like a parasite. And Mark says that when he's done, when he's repaid his debt, he swears Stephen will never see or hear from him again. He's like, I promise you, we wouldn't be alive if it weren't for Kanchu. And my servitude is a price that I pay. Stephen asks, like, what kind of servitude? He's he's like the kind that that leaves me covered in blood, and Steve and he's he's like, yeah, well, that blood is on my hands. You ruin people's lives. Everything you touch, you ruin. You hurt people. You abandon your wife. You left her stranded. And Mark's like, I didn't. I'm protecting her. He says that Stephen doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, he says that Kanchu has eyes on her. He wants her as his replacement, and he's never going to let that happen. So apparently, Kanchu wants Layla to be the next Avatar. Steven says that he's a liar that, and he doesn't trust anything that he says. So he tells them, you know, to shut up. They keep arguing. And then like you hear like a bell ring and then Mark starts um, stomping on the glass reflection. He's like, you shut up, shut up. And then like it shatters and then wind kind of blows around him. And Conchu's like, you swore he would not interfere. And Mark's like, yeah, I know. It's like, I'll handle it. You have proven you cannot. Ungrateful Mark, altering the terms of our agreement. You were nothing more than a corpse when I found you. You think you own this body? And he like laughs. He's like, it belongs to me. And Mark's like, we'll find a scarab. Too late. Harrow has it. So Mark's like, then we'll find another way. We'll get to Ahmet's tomb first. And Conchu says that he'll protect Mark with everything he has. He is worth protecting. Mark says that he'll do whatever it takes then. He's like, then you'll let me know. And Conchu's like, I know that you enjoy the work I have for you. We need each other. Mark's like, we have a deal. Let me remind you, should we part, you may not like my next candidate, near and dear as she is to you. So Mark, he just says, where are we going? Where the hell do you think? So then we see Mark's sitting on the floor in like a hotel bedroom. He's like drinking. There's like a smash table in front of him. He's just wearing like shorts, like boxers or something. He gets up, opens the curtains. There's pyramids outside. So he's in Egypt. But it's like, what the heck happened? So he must have flown there. He, somehow, he, maybe he got his passport back. Maybe it was still in the police car. I, I don't know. And then why is the table smashed? And is he just, are they sitting around waiting for Harrow and the other people to, to get there? It's like, why is he just sitting around drinking? Oh, so I don't know. But like the the interesting thing, you know, it's the the way Stephen's talking. You know, he's like, "It's my body, it's my life." 
that clearly isn't the case. If we go by the comic, obviously Mark Spector is is the original. He's he's the main one. I'm assuming that's the same with the show. And you know, Steven, you would. Th- I mean, I think he's kind of in denial. And Stephen thinks that he's a real person. Real, you know, that he's had this whole life. He thinks that Mark is like intruding and taking it away. But that, shouldn't he question that the fact that Mark has a wife? It's like, when did this happen? Did this happen momentarily between like a blackout that he is completely unaware it happened? It's like, that doesn't seem possible. It would take more than just like a brief blackout. And the other thing that we know is, you know, if he, which he should have figured out, or maybe not. Well, I guess he doesn't know what's going on. But the, the fact that the, that international file said that Mark Spector was at the tomb killing archaeologists or whatever what i'm assuming if they they do anything like the comic that he was there maybe with bushman whether they're gonna introduce him or not and then mark's like hey i don't want to kill these people i don't want to zip tie their hands and shoot them in the back of their heads so he might have resisted and then that's when bushman had mark killed and then that's when Kanshu resurrected him and somehow Mark's like getting the, you know, maybe Bushman left Mark to get the blame. That's why there's a file on him. So that means Mark existed before Moon Knight, before Khonshu, and he probably created Stephen Grant. Stephen Grant seems like this innocent, bumbling fool. Not really a fool, but he is a fool. Maybe too, so he could forget about the atrocities that he may have taken part in or allowed to happen. And so, like, while he's Steven, you know, he's got this innocent life. So that that's the only thing that, that makes sense. But then the other question is, well, who made the date with the tour lady at the museum? Because it wouldn't have been Mark. Because Mark, he's so focused on uh, finishing this mission, this final mission, so he can get out. I don't think he would be like, oh, I'm going to set up a date. And then knowing that I might have, I might not be able to, to keep it. So... Could that be Jake? Is there? Are we going to see Jake Lockley? You know, there's been no indication. And the other thing is, like, how much blackout time is Stephen having that he's so unaware? We, we, obviously, he he's aware something's going on at night. That's why he's, you know, tying himself to his bed. But clearly, he's un, you know, waking up, unhooking his leg, going out, you know, not stepping on the sand around his bed. So I don't know, but. It's it's interesting to, to think about this, and you know what what was what other missions has Moon Knight gone on? You know, his, what other stuff has he done? And you know, he's probably just kept to the shadows and just you know not made made a big deal, you know, big splash like getting a, attention like the Avengers do. And so he's probably been active for a few years. We just haven't been aware of it. So it's just interesting to, to think about all all this and. Oh, yeah, so I, I love the show. I mean, the, the more I think about it, the more I watch it, the more I, I just love it. So I just can't wait till this Wednesday. Okay, and that brings us to the movie feature, which is everything, everywhere, all at once. So this this movie was directed by Dan Kwan and Daniel Scheinert. Anthony Russo and Joe Russo were producers amongst other people and it stars uh michelle yao and uh jamie lee curtis is also in a, in a movie um other people uh harry shum jr what what role did he play okay yeah 
it's just it's an amazing movie and i it's just it's so so bizarre it's so hard to explain without giving stuff away i mean it's just it's just such a a weird movie and it it like kind of had everything like kind of mixed mixed in there and it all just like worked you know the movie is is holy i mean i was cracking up there there's times where things it's like it's like absurdly funny but it didn't feel like like forced humor like the lost city like the the jokes in there the humor it's like kind of like comedic humor you know it's just like so over the top is you know and it makes you laugh but this is just like different where it's just it's kind of like they're 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 telling a joke with a straight face and it's just like hilarious you know they're not telling a joke but that's like this just some of the things that that happen but there's also some like heavy moments and there's like some emotional stuff and and then you get like just crazy like fight scenes it's like old school like kind of kung fu movies and it's just like everything all wrapped it was everything all at once almost right um so i just i mean it was, i was just so blown away by this movie and i'm so glad i got to see it in, in, a, in a big theater and um i feel like those who aren't gonna go see it in a theater maybe they're just not fans of 824 movies or or just not fans of really good movies <laughs> Or, 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 or i mean i like i said i i was worried that it wasn't going to show near me i'm just like what is going on and i don't know, understand why that is i mean it's 824 and i feel like 824 is putting out more and more movies now but there's still like when when i was talking about x when i was talking to different people and i was like it's an 824 movie and people were like they're looking at me like what the heck are you talking about what's 824 and you know so i would mention like you know heredity and um I forget what else. Like you know, the the Vivitch, the witch. Um, there's there's something else too. Anyways, it's uh, it's just it, it's it's an amazing movie. So what is it about? I mean, the easiest way is, is to watch a trailer, but don't stop listening and you know and watch that because then you'll probably get distracted by something else. Basically, uh, Michelle Yeoh's character Evelyn, she's works at a or she she her her and her husband own like a laundromat. And they have like a teenage daughter, and uh, they're they're struggling, you know, to make ends meet with the, with the laundromat. They're being audited, and uh, <laughs> uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is the the auditor. Who's, she was she was great in just everything, the way she looked and the way she acted and stuff like that. So like all this stuff is happening, and and they're also gonna throw this like big Chinese New Year party for the community and the laundromat, which is kind of weird, because uh, you know it seems like they're kind of struggling to make ends meet barely or something like that. But they're gonna have this big party, which whatever that that's that's great, that's nice. Um, Evelyn's father is also in town, and he's you know like strict, you know, the, like you see like a flashback one moment where he was like he's not happy that he had a had a daughter, you know, because he wanted a son. And then um, I don't think this is a spoiler or anything like that, but the the daughter, Joy, she has a girlfriend. So Evelyn's like she's hesitant to tell her father about this because he wouldn't understand because he's so like old school or whatever. When they they get to when they're at the Evelyn and her husband, when they're um, Wayman, when they're at the they, they, they take her father to the auditor as well because he doesn't like speak english so he doesn't know what's going on they're in the elevator and then all of a sudden wayman kind of like jerks up he pulls out an, an umbrella 
because there's like a camera in the elevator and he like opens it, puts it over her head and he like says some stuff to her and he puts like these like kind of like Bluetooth things on like both sides of her head. And he's basically, he's from an, another, like it's from the multiverse. So he's from a parallel universe and he's talking about, because he says something like, you know, every time you make a choice, you're creating a new universe and stuff like that. And it's like spread out. There's like all this stuff. So he's from like the alpha universe and they figured out a way to access. They, they made te- technology so you can access different earths or different universes and all the stuff like that. And you can um, use uh, your counterparts skills or abilities, or whatever. So like you can access them and like Michelle Yao, like one of her uh, personas is like a, a sushi chef. And so she uses that. Another one, which is cool. I think you see this in the trailer where uh, she's like a, a street sign twirler person. And there's one part where all these people are coming, these guards are coming at her. And she like managed to get the sh- uh, riot shield from one of the guys. And she's using that, twirling it around, fighting them. So he's like warning her that there's uh, this big evil that is has managed to really take over everything so this this person can access every single version of themselves at once and also can control matter and do all the stuff like that so evelyn is like the one that could stop all this for there's like a certain reason or whatever like that and at first you know she doesn't believe him she's like you know what are you talking about you're my husband and and stuff like that and it just kind of goes from there and she's kind of like going in and out and and it, it just it gets absurd and then like when the fighting starts because then you know people kind of jump in from you know the other universe and they're trying to get attack her kill her or whatever and you know then she's slowly starts learning how to access her counterparts abilities or memories and stuff like that and it just like escalates gets bigger and bigger and bigger and uh so it's just it's it's nuts i mean just the stuff happens and you can't even describe it and there's times i mean i'm I'm literally i was like leaning forward in my seat just like like almost in awe watching and it's it's just it's it's kind of i don't even know how how else to describe it you know as i said there's there's sort of like this big message like overall like what you can take away from this and what you should think about or realize or you know whatever i don't want to give that away obviously but this was just it was just a phenomenal movie and, and just the way the just the way everything happened <laughs> and and just just some moments there's like one part's like you like you see all these different versions and the the part that you know it kind of pulled me out for a second I'm, I'm watching this i'm like holy crap so to do all this it's like michelle yao had to put on all these different like outfits or looks and they, they had to film you know it was probably all in front of a, a green screen or something like that so she wasn't necessarily in a different location and it was pretty close up but she would have had to like put on all these you know let's like okay put on this outfit stand here click put on this outfit stand here click you know take all these images and so it just felt like they they didn't like shy away or try to cut corners on, on certain things and you know maybe there's some cg stuff or you know they could fix things or do things post or whatever but there's just some some really cool moments <laughs> and i'll say it's like the hot dog earth <laughs> i i just don't know what more to that's all i that's all i can say there there's one one uh universe 
where hot dogs played a, a big role. Oh, there's another part where she's fighting these two dudes. Oh man, it's just it's just it's crazy. And you know, like I said, I think I said, you know, there's parts where it's kind of emotional. Where you're just like, oh man, you know, it's kind of heavy. But there's just like it's it's just like all over the place. It's it feels like such a big major jumble, but it's it's well construed or organized so it's not just like a like a dumping of of everything i mean it's just i just can't explain it anymore i mean it was just so it's it's like a beautiful movie at time and it's just amazing like what they're able to do and this is again this just further blows me away why the heck didn't this open um wider because i mean it's just it's it's crazy like all all the stuff that 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 went on in this movie that i feel like everyone should see this and you know it, the, the the budget was 25 million unfortunately because of the limited release you know it hasn't made a whole lot because it was only like i think like in 36 theaters let's see it went from yeah 38 theaters and it's supposed to go to like an estimated 1200 theaters because it it did 1.1 million 1.1 million in 38 theaters that that seems pretty good, thirty eight theaters, and now it's going to make a projected four to seven point five million for for the weekend. So it's at a ninety seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which is great. As an eighty two out of one hundred on Metacritic, so it's it's an amazing movie, and um, I can't wait till it's available. I mean, I I need to to get this on four K. I need to watch it again. And what was interesting, because like when it first started, I'm like, oh, is this all in Cantonese? Because you know, there's like some subtitles, but then it's like they just go in and out of the language, you know, English and Cantonese, or, or is it Cantonese or Mandarin? Um, I don't know. I don't know anything. But I, all I do know is I, I thought it was a great movie. So I don't know what else there is to say. I mean, it's it's just it it kind of blew me away, and it's. It's hard to like compare it to anything else because you know when you say something is a great movie, and I feel like not everyone is going to love this movie. Like some people, it might be too much or whatever. But the idea is, you know, I where I think it could appeal to other people to some people is because of this whole like multiverse thing. And I kind of felt like is this like a, a a jab at Marvel with the you know where you have so much multiverse stuff in Marvel now you know with with Loki with Spider Man with Doctor Strange and you know who knows what you know what if, but it's it's like a different multiverse movie you know it's a little, little different but I I think it's it's really clever the way they handle just the whole concept that there's like all these different versions and that could be like a heavy idea thing it's like okay so if I'm gonna do this. You know, how does this compare to like what another version of me is doing? You know, is is what I'm doing? Does that matter then? Because I know there could be another version that's just doing something better. And so, you know, it it could be kind of weird if you think about stuff like that. But I just i I thought it was a it was a fantastic movie. And you know, it's not like other movies. It's hard to compare it, but it was just great. So now I feel like I'm just repeating myself. I'm just saying the same thing over and over again. So I love the movie, and I, I definitely want to see it again. So if you get a chance, I do recommend it if it's playing near you. Otherwise, as soon as it's available you know, to stream, you know, please support the movie. Pay for it because this was just a brilliant piece of work, and I, I feel like people should watch this. And 
I'm just like looking. I thought I saw something on, on the poster, um, but I guess maybe it wasn't. Um, so that's going to be it. So amazing movie. Everything, everywhere, all at once. I, I loved it. Um, could be one of my favorite movies so far of the years. I mean, top movie, I don't know, but it's, it's definitely up there. And what isn't quite up there is a runtime on this episode. So not quite what it was last week, which maybe that's a good thing. So thanks for listening. Big shout out. Big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gman from heck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. I just talked, I did the first six issues of Superman from 1987, issues one through six, the ongoing Superman series, written and drawn by John Byrne, classic stuff. If you have the DC Infinite app, I recommend reading it. Just really great Superman stories and um, nothing like super spectacular. I mean, it's just, it's just great, you know, just really good Superman stories and just who the character is. And I just, I love that era and I, I just, I miss it so much. That's why I keep, Going back to the, the 80s Superman, the John, especially John Byrne stuff, I just I just love that stuff. So I'm sure I'll, I'll come back and you know maybe do issue seven at some point. But we're gonna take a little break, go to Marvel, do something. Uh, kind of takes starts off in a desert. We'll, we'll go from there. So um, stay tuned for that. But if you can't commit to monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gman from heck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or four. That is ko-fi.com slash gman from heck. So um, what is going to be next week? I'm actually I was like, what is going to be next week? I guess, oh, geez. Next week is going to be Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore. And the reason why I say, oh, man, I thought that was like two weeks from now. Um, I I need to rewatch those movies just because I, I just do. I started watching the first one. It was like late at night, so I didn't finish it. Um, so yeah, I need to need to watch those again just to remind myself what happened because um, I kind of don't remember like specifics. I kind of remember the, the basic gist of them, but I should probably watch those. So that'll be next week. Um, I'm not super excited, but I do love me some Dumbledore stuff, so maybe these secrets will be cool because... The, yeah, the Fantastic Beast movies haven't been blowing me away. So uh, I love the Harry Potter movies. Fantastic Beast has just been okay, been good. Maybe this one will, um, will make me a fan. So we have that. Um, definitely going to talk about the season finale of Severance, which, oh, man, I, I hope I can get to it tonight. I don't think I'm going to be able to. And um, then more Picard, more Flash, and um, I think... Don't know if there's anything else. I, I know I need to start adding some other stuff, but more stuff will be coming. Um, yeah, I I was gonna. There's this other show on Apple TV. I forgot it was this cop show, slow slow burn. But yeah, I'm, I'm too late for that. I was thinking about watching Halo. Just give some thoughts. I don't know. We'll see. I, I guess you know I could always watch like even though it's after the fact. I could maybe try to watch a Halo or two and just give my thoughts on that as a as a non super Halo fan. We'll see like how the week goes. But with that, um, that is going to be it for this week. So I hope you are doing well. So even though I had the week off for spring break, I feel like I, I thought I'm going to be able to do all this stuff. I, I didn't. I did get out of the house a little bit, uh, went on a nice big hike, visited Jack London's um, place, which was amazing. It was just 
gorgeous and it was just really cool just to think about that freaking jack london was here he did writing here he died here so that that was something and just went a really nice long hike which was just great so um now back back to teaching yay so i hope you're doing well (laughs) i hope you uh find some time to have some fun i hope you're taking care of yourself and i hope you remember to be good to each other (laughs) 